I stand firmly in the fact that I'm one of the best to ever do this for the culture, for my coast, and for my city. This is the best rapper in LA podcast. 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 And I'm your host, Merce. 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 What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? This is my package. Dadgrass. So I just had a, a gummy from Dadgrass. Mild dose THC gummies with CBD, pineapple, ginger, lime. This is a commercial. I'm not getting paid for this shit. Fast acting nanotech full spectrum THC hemp combination. Two milligrams of THC. Damn, they out. You can take one, two, or three. I've been fucking with these trying to find the right dosage before I even talked about them. Yeah. One. That's all I'm going to say. One. So halfway through this, I hope that I'm a little more, as I listen to this, I speak fast. I cut myself off. And when I talk to my little brother, I see how we communicate. I got to work on that. Trying to make this podcast more enjoyable, pleasurable, as well as getting to the end of this as soon as possible. Well, not as soon as possible. Just trying not to drag it out. That said, this will be a long episode. This is the Valentine's Day episode. So we're going to talk about a love song called The Pain. See, I'm a single black male, dark hair, dark eyes, long walks through a park, and a lot of them lies. I'm a little bit jaded by a lot of what I see, so if you're still interested, you should come get at me. But before we get into that, this is real time still, not front loading these at this point. Killer Mike won the Grammy, three of them. That's amazing. And the Grammy goes to scientists and engineers, Killer Mike. Hey! Where's my old lady at? Where's my wife at? I want to say I'm from the Southeast, like DJ Paul, I'm... I'm I'm a black man in America, and as a kid, I had a dream to become a part of music. And that nine-year-old is excitedly dancing in fr- inside of me right now. I want to thank Loma Vista, Adam, Tom, Todd, Ryan, all of you guys. I want to thank my management company. My manager, Will, is active. I want to thank my A&R cuz, Lightyear. I want to thank everyone who dares to believe that art can change the world. So thank Dre. Thank Future, thank Aaron, thank all the producers on here, but everyone in this room, it is our responsibility to keep using our imagination to shape and form the world. Thank you, and I hope it's not the last time I see you tonight. You'll see as we talk, this album gets the attention of a young man named Ryan Wally and his father, Tom Wally, OG record executive, but Tom and Ryan now have a label called Loma Vista, which signed Killer Mike and put out the great album, Michael, which is responsible for these three Grammys he won. Mike also worked with LP, who is owner of Def Chucks. And LP is the one who introduced me to Mike way back when, when they were working on rap music, which if you haven't heard, is Killer Mike's last solo album. It is phenomenal. I loved that album. This album was created entirely by... Jamie and Mike. Break. 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 My man Joseph. Can I call 
get out of Atlanta, here's Soho. Baby mama say being self, she ice Soho. Danny picked up cell phone, called Oho. She took him to the airport, hit him with spread. Parked in the deck, then hit him with some head. Hit him with the fake ID and tick. Old man, little speech, but he hit him with fit. Hit him with a heart, hit him with And I thank uh, L for introducing us. If you listen to the podcast, you know, I recently saw L in Arkansas, saw my first run, the Jewels show, where Killer Mike noticed me on, on front of the stage and stopped the show and said, oh, shit, it's Merce looking like rap Jesus. Um, you watch my Instagram. Uh, well, I am just call me that. A lot of people um, feel that way. Uh, I guess I look Jewish. That's cool. But the kids I mentor got a kick out of that. They get a kick out of who, because to them, run the jewels is run the jewels. Killer Mike really, you know, I remember Mike from when the whole world hit. Like, oh shit, this verse is dope. Player, I grind, my focus is crime. Raw with the rhyme, I'm slick with the slime. My words are diamonds, dug out of mine. Spit them, polish, look how they shine. Glitter, glisten, gloss, floss. I catch a beat running like Randy Moss. Ride that bitch off like a brand new house. I'm rolling my stones, down to no mouth. Mommy, I'm coming, I hope you get off. I rock you on book like a Leah and talk. Back, back, forth, forth. Get that seller on course, course. Make that track of corpse, corpse. Rap, roll, utterly rock with my mouth to the mic and my hand on my cock. Cadillac, out. Then you see the video like this big ass motherfucker got bars. He's huge. He's a monster. Like a, I think that's the title of one of his albums. Respective to culture always has shown me great love and respect. But yeah, him shouting me out on stage got me brownie points with some of the young men and women I mentor out in Arkansas. Like, man, you know everybody. So yeah, man, I just I just love to see it. I hope you all love to see it as hip hop gets older, seeing the OGs still be awarded and respected. I love it. I love it. I love it when the new kids win. I love it when good music wins, period. It was phenomenal that oh, we're not going to overlook Nas. Um, but you, you, there's a difference between Mike and Nas. Nas is, I think, from his debut, been uh, on the major label side of things, which is fine. Mike winning is like one of us winning um, from the indie side. Even though he started with Outkast and I think had a major label deal, but he's been grinding, performing, you know, at the Echoplex and the same venues and just, you know, very similar journey, especially also for those of us who are fathers and husbands. Uh, to have a father and a husband win in the rap category, I guess Nas is a father, you know what I mean? But like he has a long standing partner, which is um, working itself and you're very lucky to have that. So on Valentine's Day, I want to acknowledge that. I think that's it. I was going to go into some other shit, but I think that's it. The funny thing is, like, a lot of people always ask me, not a lot of people, usually, 
Oh uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of my fans ask me, uh, "What's up with Slug? When's the last time you talked to Slug?" And it's always so weird to me. But I guess like this, I guess that's how they know me, maybe. Because if you see someone that you know that's a friend of your brother, you always, "Oh, how's your how's your brother doing?" You know, they'll ask you, "How's your brother doing?" Okay, cool. Yeah, how are you? Because they know you through your brother. So maybe people know me through Slug, and I'm Slug's friend to them. So they're like, "Oh, have you spoken to Slug? When's the last time you talked to Slug?" Rarely is it, it's funny to me because rarely is it any of my uh, black friends I rap with. Never, no one ever goes, when's the last time you spoke to Scarab? It's very rare I get that. When's the last time you spoke to Lucky? When's the last time you spoke to Ninth even? like So it has nothing to do with fame, but I get it that the majority of my fan base came in contact with me, with me through Atmosphere. Let's do this. So this song is called Nightmares. And I don't know who made it. A-R- dollar sign i don't know who the fuck that is it has 468 views but it's dope last night i had a dream that i died in my sleep i've been having this nightmare for weeks so much pressure in my stomach i'm quite scared and weak drinking bottle at the bottle my nightmare is complete see back when i was younger and quite scared and weak i used to have a night lights so and my nightmare was brief my conscience used to say having nightmares was weak so every night i close my eyes i'm quite scared to sleep but even think of the peak my nightmares had reached tears in my eyes is getting harder to see because in my right mind it's on youtube i don't know if it's streaming but a young man has some bars, and it made me think about songs called Nightmares. And I love when music touches me, and I'm just riding in the car. Slug sent me a couple links of music he's listening to. So, yes, I still talk to him, and yes, we still talk about hip-hop, among other things. He sent me a lot of dope music this morning that wasn't his. But this young man started talking about Nightmares, and it's wild how your trauma... I was wondering how many out there of like, it's weird for me to relate to my kids not a badge of honor, but I lived my nightmares with with my home situation at times and just with dealing with inner city LA. So sleep was like a good, a, you know, not 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 as crazy as going outside. So when my kids have nightmares, I feel like I'm sometimes in, times insensitive. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? <laughs> like, like, what? You thought you were a kidnap? I was like, do you know people, who the fuck's gonna come in, into our neighborhood and steal a black kid? Like, fuck you mean, bro? Like, that's not even realistic. Like, I had dreams I got shot. I was getting stomped out. I had dreams of, you know, my stepfather killing my mother. Like, I had all kind of shit that I uh, had fears. I didn't have nightmares. But that doesn't make this child's fear any less legitimate. And I struggle with that. I don't want to turn this into a parenting podcast, but I don't have the answers. I just like to share my frustrations and how I'm checking myself. I don't want to tell you how to parent your kid. I think it's so foolish if you don't have fucking successful grandchildren kind beautiful inside and or don't fuck about that just beautiful beings as your grandchildren i don't want to hear parenting advice from you i will sit down and talk about your struggle and we could talk about different things we've tried but you don't know a fucking thing shut the fuck up please fuck your child psychology degree and all that shit i don't give a fuck no disrespect but nah it's different. Everyone's different. You can't say everyone's different. Then we all fit into these things, especially if you're dealing with, at least I know black American children. My experience hasn't been studied thoroughly by people who've lived it. It just hasn't been long enough to have a sound theory on to how to deal with some of my trauma. But I wonder, like, you know, some of my homies have dads who are Vietnam vets. And I wonder if they had a hard time. Like, what? The boogeyman? Motherfucker, I was in the shit, you know? <laughs> and it's it's not fair to the child. 
it's not fair that we've all had our in whatever traumas that we've suffered either, but not passing that on is the key. And I'm, I struggle with that. So I just wanted to share that, that the song nightmares that he shared, shared it when I'm like, man, I, I, I always think like I gotta be better. Cause then also you're waking up from sleep. You're a parent, you're tired. I got four kids. It, every, it's like, you know, if we get through the night without somebody screaming, yelling, peeing, farting, shitting, what, you know, it's a miracle. So I'm always annoyed because I'm fucking tired, but I try to like take a deep breath, hop out of it. And then your adrenaline's flowing at the same time. And then so it's like, what? You're screaming, oh shit, what the fuck? What's going on? Like, I'm like, I kill somebody, I gotta choke somebody, my fists are balled up. And I'm like, oh fuck, this. The what? The closet was open (laughs) and and your shirt was sticking out and you didn't want to get out of bed, so you screamed. (laughs) Oh man. It's a it's a, it's a journey. I don't know if it's wonderful, but it is a fucking journey, y'all. And I'm not even high yet. But yeah, this is just wanted to get that the human shit real time podcast. What I'm dealing with. If you can relate, great. Hopefully, if not, you you chuckled a little bit, or you get prepared about when you do have kids. But I gotta learn to respect that the shirt sticking out of the closet is a legitimate and righteous fear, and I need to hold said child kiss them and put them back to bed kindly i get there eventually but initially i'm like like, damn bro like are you for real i'm a little little pissed a little frustrated getting there y'all the pain this is a beat that knife played and said fonte is going to i think he was going to do the hook from the jump I'm so scared of singing. That is my trauma. I was coming home from the dentist one day, fixing my chipped tooth. I had a chipped tooth for a long time. We've spoken about it. I think my mom partially married my stepfather, who was not the best person for the medical benefits because he worked for LAUSD. And I walked around with a chipped tooth for about two, three years. And then when we finally got on his dental plan, I got to get my chipped tooth capped. So I think we were coming back from that and I was trying to sing like Luther Vandross in the backseat and my mother was like, that is horrible, shut up. Something like that and it's dumb. Back when I was a child Before life removed all the innocence And I've let that stop me from trying to sing for I let that stop me from trying to sing for many years so when Ninth played this back to the setting where the dentist office any given day there's Mike Burvick Legacy Sean Don Poole there's a gang of motherfuckers in there so not only am I have this mental block about singing but I'm definitely not going to do it in front of a bunch of people and I've just met all these motherfuckers I've talked to Ninth on the phone twice seen Poole and Tay and Doe once in person these are all new people and I'm recording this album over the span of five days, two songs a day. We used all 10 songs. I'm not ready to sing. So I'm like, what are we going to do with the hook? And I think maybe he recommended or Tay volunteered. I don't know. 
but it was, um, he was working on that and the animal with me. Or maybe it was after we did the animal, he just threw his hat in the ring. This will be a Fonte Coleman appreciation podcast. We've had a slug. We've had Aesop Rock. We had a Ninth Wonder. This is Fonte. Motherfuckers can't cry no more when you die no more. It's crying shame. You don't even try no more. Black suits, black ties, and obituaries handed out. Ashes to ashes after living life, hand to mouth. For death wish is cool till it's time to blow the candles out. I need some answers now. Leaving your sons is tantamount to throwing them straight to the wolves. And everybody saying they'd be different if they had a man around. He loved his work and his women built like a Clydesdale. Went to the city in search of supreme clientele. Then back to the country fronting like he missed the Drysdale. Just an illusion of rules and old wives tell. While I was in the borough where the dope and the gun work. Had the whole hood sounding like Dunkirk. Staring at my ceiling fan trying to be a man. Wishing I had a chance to be his son first. When I tell you his talent is the thing of legend, you know, that later on there's personal stuff still between I, all that. I don't, I have my opinions and I have my feelings about that. But what we're not going to do is take away from any of those individuals. I just look and listen to Pooh. If you haven't heard Big Rapper Pooh's last album and Joe Scudder did the album cover, with Joe Scudder's an amazing visual artist, by the way. Go listen to Pooh's album. Just saw my NYC. I was listening to it with my kids yesterday. That album is Pooh is still getting better. Yo, rapper Pooh, let's get him. Yo, this is what it's like when you hear the beat. Standing room only, packed house, not an empty seat. What a feat for some niggas up east in the belly of the beast. No radio plays, no Prince your waves, no Ed and Dre faves. This is straight up out the trunk, motherfucker, we don't play. Take it back to the stage, time to come of age. Till you jump over this hurdle, you will never flip the page. Settle down. Them butterflies turn to subtle highs. I'm a little shy, but come to life under bright lights. These are NY City nights, that you dream of all your life. To stand right where I'm standing, don't get caught up in the hype. Settle down. But back to Tay. Tay. Man, you know, there's no, to me, there is no Drake without Monte. With all due respect to Aubrey Graham, that's a whole nother current event that we're just not even, we're just going to skip over that. He can sing. He can rap with the best of them. I told him to his face. The only time I heard him out rap is fucking El Zai on the minstrel show. And they both showed their ass, but like, you just can't fucking out rap El Zai, bro. Strangle the air in your throat like you jump from a chair and choke the midair from a rope. Got a big gun and carry a scope to flare in the smoke. Keep niggas quiet like words, librarian spoke. I'm arrogant, outlandish. Blow your face out and shake out the danger. The jakes won't make out the handprints. I'm as real as it gets when it's still in the clip. Walk and make niggas duck and kneel into splits. It gets no realer than this. It's taking L's eye, dropping that definitive shit. This should have been a double album, commemorative disc. Cause hip hop might need us. And in your town, no telling where you might see us. My whole team coming through in T's and white beaters. Out doing the damn thing like beavers. Yo, it's P to the H-O. I finished the job. Plus my Dominican broad making me chili con queso. That track is bananas. Second to none. With the mic, um, his he, production, as far as production, I don't know what his technical beat smithing is like, but his actual vocal production and his input musically is is next level. Uh, he brought things out of me on the animal, just even in that. You know, he has a persona, his performance, like Little Brother's shows are dope. Shout out to Keep DJ going. Flash. Keep it going. For those y'all don't know, I go by DJ Flash. To the stage, two of my brothers, 
Yeah, man. He could rap his ass off on top of all that. If you don't know, please go listen to anything Little Brother or his solo record. Mic check is this thing on. I ain't even know if I would rap or just sing on. It took me a while. Now I'm getting my swing on. Icarus and increments. Sometimes I put wings on. Every hero ain't a hero till there's a theme song. So many tries, but every time it just sing wrong. Saturday night, just kicking it with my best man. Looked at my left hand. I got a ring on. Oh, shit. And Foreign Exchange, who he made with a gentleman from overseas. I forget where dude is from, but... um. Man, come around. I think it's that's the name of the song. Baby, have no fear. I'm right here. just to be able to lyrically destroy you man so i watch him do the hook to the pain live in the studio and my mind is blown i have never at this point in my career seen anyone like we don't sing you know like sunspot jones has some amazing hooks we talked about that but this motherfucker was singing don't need no umbrella in the, ooh, all the pain and the heartache. I want you to feel me, baby. Percy Miracles jumped out. Baby. We've been together for so long. And I just don't know why you continue to do me the way you want to do me. I checked your cell phone and I saw a number I don't notice he called on there. Something tells me either your mama done changed the number or you cheat. How could you do this to me after all You know, I've seen Shock G and Humpty Hump, seeing Percy Miracles and Fonte Coleman in the same place doing their thing. Whoo! So much charisma, but he's hitting those notes. And it's not like he just said, okay, turn it on, turn it on knife, bow, and it was there. Hey, I'd like to go out in the rain, rain. Perfect. No premeditated anything like, let me fix this. Let me get, I, I think it's like a, people are wired differently. Like, let me make this work. 
He hears the beat. He hears what I'm talking about. Okay. And it's kind of like, boom, Rex Life Raj did that. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but I could see people like work it out in their head, like a little, like, a, you know, like the head cocks to the side. Okay. And then let's go. And then it's like, where the fuck did that come from? He didn't write it down. He didn't like pace back and forth. He, boom, magic. A miracle, a Percy miracle. So that is, to me, the hook is so powerful in the song. And I won't say carries a song because now I'm going to hop on my shit and correct me if I'm wrong. But between that, this subject matter and Fonte's rap style, like I feel like there's a young kid in Toronto listening to this that becomes Drake. Not just this alone. This and he's listening to a lot of other shit. Jay, you know, all, but I, it's honored to me to feel like we contributed to this, you know, and later on we'll talk about how I feel this influenced Kendrick and overall this being done in North Carolina and I feel like influences Cole. Like when I saw Cole, he would like stop the security and like was very kind to me and just went out of his way to speak to me and give me some flowers real quick. And that was, I was like, oh shit. But I had to think like, yeah, what else was going on in North Carolina? So there's a, a there was a chance that, yeah, maybe J. Cole had heard of it, you know, but I didn't think that, you know at the time, or when I heard Cole, I was just like, okay, he's from North Carolina, you know? So I'm sure, and you know, I'll leave it to him to speak on it, or to not, but it could be important to him. But I feel like it's humbling. It's an honor to feel like I may have been and could have been a part of that journey. Because it was, the subject matter of the song, like, I don't know very many self-deprecating uh, emo rap songs by a black man. Like, I'm a single black male, dark hair, dark eyes, long walks through the park, and a lot of them lies. Like, you know, there was Father MC. I feel like speech from Arrested Development has those vibes. You know, when he's talking about everyday people, it's one of my songs I, I run to while I'm training this marathon. But, you know, he's just talking about walking in the park and, you know, dudes messing with him, you know. jaded by a lot of what i see so if you're still interested you should come get at me because i'm tired of getting shot down put down this i want to be picked up held tight and kissed but things like this don't happen to dudes like me see i'm a single black male dark hair dark eyes long walks through a park and a lot of them lies i'm a little bit jaded by a lot of what i see so if you're still interested you should come get at me because i'm tired of getting shot down put down and dissed i want to be picked up held tight and kissed but things like this don't happen to dudes like me because i'm more cold play than i am iced tea i gave up pursuit of 
romantic involvement. I was always ridiculed or called ugly or, you know, shout out to No James. No James hugged me the other day and uh, told me I wasn't ugly. And uh, that's, you know, it's healing for the inner child and for black men to say, speak to that, to each other like that. It didn't happen. I would go every day I go to school and I tell my kid to be kind. Um, he's very tall for his age. He's a black kid with dreads and, you know, uh, I forgot what it's called, but in this society, often black men are, and a lot of men of, of color, and it just, I think men of a, lo- a lower or working class are expected to grow up soon. You're a man now. You're the man of the house. You know, your dad leaves your 10. Your dad leaves you at 12. You know, you're the man of the house. Fuck you mean. No one told me that. You know, he's like, Granny didn't tell you. I was like, Granny didn't have the capacity. You know, Granny was trying to survive with two kids and by herself or with a psycho husband at the time. Her first two, keeping us safe. You know, my mom's telling me stories about all kind of shit, you know, when she, things that made her leave my first dad. Like it was, so I don't think my mom had, she showed, she demonstrated kindness. And I learned that from her example, but she didn't have the bandwidth or the time. Like I, I was like, motherfucker, I pick your ass up and drop you off to school every day. And I could tell you you're handsome and you're, you're intelligent, you're hardworking, you're kind. You know, I could pump that into you because I know. Just being a kid, kids are cruel. And then being a black kid, is, it was very cruel. Like, just, you know, I don't look like Dylan from 90210. I don't feel like I'm a heartthrob, you know? I relate to Speech and Dale from Arrested Development. They're not on any girl's locker in my school, you know? Uh, but I, I had a strong enough sense of self where I wasn't going to let that dictate who I was. You know, dudes on the bus would be like, nigga, why you wear your afro? Bitches don't like that shit. Ugh. And I was always countering with logic. Like, okay, you're in a gang. You're tough because you have a lot of people with you. But when I catch you by yourself, you don't want to run it straight up. And then if I do beat your ass, you want to tell everybody so you guys can jump me. To me, who's the real coward? And I was like, okay, so you're a man and you got bitches, but these bitches who you constantly disrespect dictate how you dress yourself in the morning? Come on, my nigga, like that don't make no fucking sense. I'm the weirdo because I wake up and wear my hair and dress how I want to dress. Or at that time, I dress like rappers I admire because I think they're intelligent and unique and I like their pedigree. Like I'm emulating a man that I admire that is articulate and has a, a career that I want. But I'm the weirdo because I don't think about what pleases someone else when I wake up in the morning? Fuck out of here, man. And that's weird. It was very weird for someone to be 14, 13, 12, you know, 15, thinking like that. And even at high schools now. And I don't know how to instill that in my child. I try, you know, but he's at an age where like, I want Jordans. I'm like, fuck you want Jordans for, man. You're 10. Fuck, fuck you me, <laughs> you know? But it's already starting. Um, and it took me a while to learn to to be on my own but this is where the pain comes from I'm like I don't want to so now the guys think I'm weird and the girls definitely think I'm weird but some of the girls thought that my weirdness was cute but they didn't want us to have a front facing relationship so often those are the girls I would approach and I get shot down there's a song on an EP I did recently with um, Rob Victim called I think it's Merson Rob's Cavalcade of Cosmic Crips and inter, Interplanetary Pyrus. But there's a song on there where I talk about a girl that 
I was on front of my badminton team in high, ninth grade, and I wrote her a poem and a rap, and I burnt the edges of the paper, tied it up in a lavender ribbon, and gave it to her. And she kind of just laughed at me. It's a little love story. Wrote her a letter to get her. She was on the badminton course when I met her. Sweater tied around the waist, covered up the bump. Could still see she had a little something I had to hunt. Watched her for lunch, but I didn't approach. Even followed her home, I was doing the most. She lived close, right up off Casitas. If I time my walk right in the morning, we would meet up. I went home and wrote a rhyme. Inspired by a feminine energy so divine. My first time finding a muse, I let it loose. Filled the whole page up with words, cause I was juice. Burned the edges so it looked like a scroll. Wrapped it up in a ribbon, I would give her my soul. When I caught her at the corner, she averted my eyes. Just snatched it out my hand and she walked right by. Damn, thought I would never love again. Would never let another in. But I had to try again. If we let love lose, we all lose in the end. Thought I would never love again. Would never let another in. Things like that would happen. But the girls that get at me, like there are girls that were like, I like you. We've been friends for a long time and we should be fucking. Or I don't know why I dated your friend. I want to date you. You're you're so nice. Oh, wow. That's like, wow. Okay, I went from being the shoulder to cry on to like, nah, fuck that. You know, uh, there was a beautiful girl in our high school that did that. Uh started like talking like and then she started <laughs> i remember one of the pretty boys at school came to me and was like extremely upset because i had like brought down the i forgot how afraid brought basically insinuating that i and i don't agree with any of this terminology but i basically brought down the property of the baddest bitch in school because she went from like dating older dudes wearing like she used to wear business suits to school and she was fully developed and light-skinned beautiful um girl and then she started hanging out with me and my friends then she started dating me and she got dreads (laughs) and i don't know how to explain to you if you're not a black from or familiar with black culture but a light-skinned girl with light eyes with a a banging body that used to dress revealing now wearing baggy pants and baggy shirts and like listening to to freestyle fellowship and trying and, and dreading her hair and getting a nose ring like that shit is like I don't to them is you know I can't even like describe what it must have felt like to buy thought she was it was beautiful that she was expressing herself she was hanging out with us and smoking pot and beaties and like rapping a little bit and like doing graffiti and art and it was dope you know and that and still at that point we did not have sexual relations I was just not there. It was scary to me and it could have been early introduction of porn. It could have been so much, but I never had a sexual interaction with this young lady, but we were dating and we were together. We were together for a while at that time. There was a whole other story later on in life. Like I used to, (laughs) yeah, going back and like collecting um, intimate relations from women that I didn't too, because I didn't know how to function. That was a, a, a definitely a, a era of my life. Like, oh, did I mess out? Did I mess up by not trying to take it to that level? 
But I was just like, great, you want to hang out with us and you're pretty and I can kiss you and we can hold hands. And like the, the sensual things meant a lot to me, uh, which was weird because no one was rapping about that. Except for Father MC, and you know, and it was just not rap. It was R&B. I want to treat you like a queen, cooking clean. Get your bubble bath ready so I can rub you with Nyxleam. And watch how gentle I'll be when I rub your back. And after that, there's been a rank cognac. A little romance for the quiet storm. And a lot of loving for the whole night long. I'm going to caress your body and give you a kiss. And I'll rub you down where you've been missed. Nibble on your navel and kiss your thigh. Play with your hair because I'm on a love hop. Well, I don't know. It's the way it wasn't rap to love and everyday people people every day i think it's about rest development like walking in the park holding your girlfriend's hand like i wanted to do that like speech and i was really encountering that because i'd be walking with this light-skinned girl or whoever i was dating and then niggas would start fucking with us like what's the you know because if you i've experienced this a couple times in my life if i can date a beautiful woman and not have to adhere to these bullshit standards of handsome that you all created based on what you think women want when you haven't even asked them. They don't really care how you look or how you dress as long as you don't stink, you're clean, and you're kind. But you think you have to have the Nautica jacket, this, and your S-curl, and you know, to burn your scalp with chemicals. I had an S-curl once, trying to fit in. Look like a black Wookiee when he let his beard grow weirdo. Brown skin, it always kept his hair low. Rumors has it, it's an S-curl accident. Doom was always known to keep the best girl's backs bent. But they didn't get it. And so, of course, you're going to attack me. But it would take a woman getting at me for us to even start. Because it was just, rejection is so powerful. It drives men to do insane things, to, to, to kill. Because men don't learn to take rejection, because they place their self-worth in being desired by someone of the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever you're you're feeling, like instilling back to parenting, again, maybe that's why I started with this subconsciously, you have to instill self-worth in your child. You have to let them know that they're loved. If you're a grandchild, if you're an auntie, if you're a friend of a kid that's not getting it, tell that kid they're beautiful. Tell that kid they're special. I tell my kids all the time. And it doesn't make me right or great or anything. It makes me a hurt and I don't want to pass that down. And I, I did get it from my mother. She didn't have all the time in the world. She didn't have all the money in the world, but she made sure I knew I was loved and that I had some form to me, religion, like I had a form of like a loving God, like God loves you. Jesus loves you. You and I love you. You know, it didn't make me feel handsome all the time. It didn't make me feel strong all the time, but it kept me from sinking to a low devil where you know, I've been briefly suicidal, but not extremely like suicidal. I didn't feel the need to act out all the time when someone insulted me. That sense of self-worth goes so far. And I didn't I didn't need to have sex with this girl who liked me to feel like she liked me or to feel like I was a man. Like I just, you know, I didn't need to be the best rapper for that. I just loved rapping. I loved this culture. I love graffiti. I love graffiti. I love DJing. I love b-boying. My kids take b-boying class. We watch Red Bull BC One. I love MCing. My sin, my my friend sends me a song from Minnesota. He's in Minnesota. He's sending me a song from a kid from kids from Mississippi, kids from um Africa. He's just sending me music that he like because he loves it like I love it. That's to me indie rap. Like you look at me, you look at Slug, like we don't dress the best. We don't fucking, <laughs> we're not models. We're not, you know, we're just two kids who love this shit, man. 
love this shit. Aesop Rock, like, like, there's so many people, Double K, like, people who just love this shit. Love it. Those are the people I resonated with. And I did, you know, Sean definitely has a girl thing going on. I don't think he could help himself. He's just one of those guys. But most of us, like, reclusive, like, this is my art. Come get at me. That started young. We talked about the trip to New York. After I went to New York and I saw what a Dominican woman was, I was just blown my mind. I was like, wow, there's like a black girl and a Mexican girl. Wow. Until I found out it's very different Spanish, very different everything. I was ignorant, but I'm learning. But I'm like, oh my God, Latin girls with big butts. Woo, lost my mind. So I was like, before I go back to New York, I'm going to try to talk to different women and see what my rate is. Like a ratio of, you know, I talked to this many girls, I get one number. It was 10 to one. For every 10 girls, one girl would give me a, a number. And I was like, okay, I could tell. I was, you know, I didn't even keep the numbers I got in California. I went to New York like, okay. And there I made, then it's funny, I was on the train. First guy I tried to talk to shot me down. And uh, then my homeboy was like, watch this. And people have like joked about this, but I saw it with my own eyes on the train. Hey, bitch. And the girl turned around and said, oh, sorry, baby. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking about it. And then it just struck from there. He's like, yo, man, you got to have, swag wasn't a word, but I forgot what he used. You got to have something. I was like, ah, that's not me. Then So we're on the train. So I went to another, uh, we got on another train. I saw an, uh, a black girl I thought was attractive. I looked at her. She looked at me. And then she came over like, what's up, son? And I'm like, huh? This is, <laughs> so I always, I think, feel validated. And once a pimp told me like, you like all of them. Find you one. He wasn't giving me pimp advice, but it, I guess it was pimp, but he wasn't trying to get me to pimp. He was just saying, find you one that likes you because that's unique. And basically when you find that woman, you take care of her, you value her because you like all of them. You're a man, like men are dogs. Like we want to piss on everything. We, you know, even a softy uh, emo guy like me, I definitely, whether it's uh, nurture or nature, it's all the porn and bikini models from the eighties and centerfolds from penthouse and oh man i remember we stole the latoya was it latoya jackson penthouse from uh what were those stores walden books walden books stole it from walden books and i think the some gallery we were at and then we went to the bathroom we were so shook because once you this is the thing you you children today and makes it so frustrating as a parent i can't catch porn in my house because it, it would it's it's digital but you can stash it we had a whole magazine. We didn't. We just wanted to see Latoya Jackson's titties. We ended up with a whole ass magazine. Who is going to bring this contraband home and get caught and die? Who's going to bring this home with the chance that your mother might find this and beat the shit out of you? We we stole it. We all looked at it in the bathroom and threw it in the fucking trash because we were so fucking petrified that our parents would kill us. We didn't think that through. We had to see the titties, but then we're like, you know, you steal something cool. Like we would steal tapes. Everybody's fighting over who gets to take home the public enemy tape or who gets to take home the NWA tape first because we would share it or dub it. You know, eventually there was no fight over who got the fucking, like, was a penthouse hustler, one of those. No, it, that shit went in the trash. It, like, it was like it was on fire. And then we didn't want an adult to walk in the bathroom and catch us looking at it, but we didn't want to be all in the stall at the same time looking at it because that's weird. It's This is the shit that drives men to do <laughs> stupid shit. And there's, now, 
I try to talk to young men about it because I've done a lot of regrettable things, made a lot of poor choices, hurt a lot of people's feelings. And now I'm talking to my son about when a girl likes you and even if you don't like her, being kind, not manipulating her, not making her feel bad. And that's where the, how the kindness conversation came up. But now I try to talk to men because I wish, I don't think women, my wife and I talk about this all the time, like women don't understand the sex drive of a man. It doesn't excuse us for anything at all. But it's so extreme that men really need to talk about it more. Back to Noah James. That is powerful for him to tell me that I'm not ugly. It heals a part. Like, I don't need to hear it right now. But maybe I do. Uh, maybe that part healing can help me stop my child from needing healing. Anyway, come get at me. Because I'm more Coldplay than I am Ice-T. The only reason I know who Coldplay is is because of the theme song from the OC. I don't know much more than that. But I know that they're emo and uh, I will fix you. I had never really heard the song. Maybe I heard it at Coachella or something. Um, but I started using it as a part of this song and it rocked. It touched people in ways because Coachella, Coldplay was that shit. I had no idea it would like rock like that. But there's a part where, and I think it's in the pain where, I'll, and during a live show, I would go into uh, lip singing, fix you. Okay, brief interruption. The OC theme song is by Phantom Planet. I heard Fix You on the OC for the first time. I believe it's season two, episode 23 is where I heard the song and fell in love with the song. We've been on the run, driving in the sun, looking out for number one. When I did Coachella for the first time solo, that shit did numbers. Let's talk numbers. Let's talk numbers. People coming to me in the streets and everywhere in the world. Like, I was at Coachella when you did the Coldplay thing. Mashing shit. Because definitely, like, we we're the first era, like, mashup genres. Like, Z Trip, my homie, was famous for that. And it was getting really big. And, I, of course, I don't, it wasn't a conscious influence, but I felt, okay, yeah, I can take Coldplay and stick it in here. All to avoid, once again, having to get over the hook of this song where Fonte is singing. First tour, I just let it play and I would talk over Fonte singing. And we'll get into. Another thing, gimmick I came up with, like Ricky Bobby, what do I do with my hands? That's how I felt when like, okay, if there's singing, having backing vocals on the track was horrendous in our scene at that time. And I wish it still was, but that's another conversation. Our scene didn't condone us. I didn't know what to do. Shout out to Marcel P. Black. Real rappers don't rap over their vocals. Today is International Stop Rapping Over Vocals Day. As you know, July 25th is International Stop Rapping Over Vocals Month. Let's do it. Let's go. Yo, I'm the product of black colleges and pan African politics. Black business owners still a rocket with the colleges and socialists. OG of the anti over vocalists. On the ground, worldwide, don't put me on the local list. I'm more cold play than I am, Ice T. Good girls with bad guys, and that might be, but a bad girl with a good guy, that's unlikely. So, what's a man to do to get to hold hands with you? Do I talk shit, stand and look hard with my crew? I don't know what to do, so I drown in my drink. It helps to numb the pain. Because when I sit and think about it, eyes get clouded, thoughts get crowded. Thoughts get crowded. If you're ever in the show, in the, in, when this first dropped, people would be bold. 
if you're ever at a merch show and we do this song, I always wait for somebody to say, thoughts get crowded. Say that shit, man, when we get there, bro. Sing with, with Percy. Because when I sit and think about it, eyes get clouded, thoughts get crowded. So I'm going to sit right here and wait for you to talk about it. And I used to put it in there, but then I dropped it because people were participating. And now I think people with elastics, they want to hear Okie Dog or whatever. I don't know. Man, please do my man's part. And with that, I'm going to listen so we could talk about the little talk I put under the hook. She says she had a boyfriend just trying to be nice. Heard the same line from different women all night. Things like this weren't said in rap and definitely not by black men. Um, Kamani, anybody can fact check me. But this is 2004. I'm rapping this in 2003. I'm 25 years old. This is not what 25-year-old black men are saying on a microphone. At least. Not, I know for sure it wasn't mainstream popular, but man. Um, you know, there were definitely songs like Shout Out AC Alone for Anna Lilia and Makiba, and that was definitely influential. Just talking about love and how shit doesn't work out wasn't bitch, bitch, bitch. this like this is how i feel she had she had a boyfriend i know i'm not the only one that heard that and ladies that's always a nice way you shouldn't have to do shit but that's that's nice very kind of you when you shoot us shoot us softly um man you know i've been whoo we went to a, a club in tucson one time me and the homie saul He's like, yeah, just get up behind and start dancing. So he went and danced with this girl's friend, and I got up behind her other friend. She stopped dancing, turned around, looked me up and down, so cold, and walked away. And I was like, I was never mad, really mad at the girl. It just hurt. But I was like, yeah, I don't think this is okay either. But it's, you know, learning that she was okay with someone else doing it and not me doing it made me feel bad. But I don't think that's a proper way to ask anyone to dance. I don't just come rub my dick on you. That's not... But like I had enough drinks and I was like, all right, this is what normal men and women do. And this, you know, I've seen other men do it. I'm going to just 
Don't betray yourself, bro. Because then when you fail betraying yourself, it just hurts even more, bro. But he so watched the whole thing and it became a joke. Once again, being able to laugh at myself is another trait I value so much about myself. It was funny, bro. She turned around like, what in tarnation? The, what in the fuck do you think? Nigga, are you serious? N- not you. <laughs> like, it was all that without saying anything. So the fake boyfriend line, whew, it's such an easy one for me to, I'll, I'll man, that's like an ice cream sundae. I'll eat that for sure. Vegan ice cream sundae. Oat milk ice cream sundae with uh, non-dairy chocolate syrup. Delicious. Give me that. With an organic cherry on the top, non-GMO. I heard the same line from different women all night. When you hear it more than once in the same club in the same night, it hurts. The easy letdown. Then your boy's telling you. <laughs> and this is part of ninth one. I think I said the easy letdown, but don't let it get you down. I was just trying to wrap it all at once. And ninth is very like, do the slick rick thing. Go in there and do it all. I can, I can still remember him telling me it. But don't let it get you down. Because I'm saying, I don't even talk like that. That's Knife telling me how to say that line. I can see him from the other side of the phone and his hand coming through. I can see that moment. But don't let it get, and he'll have a tone with it too. But don't let it get you down. No, no, no. And this is when he'll let me do something over. When I'm not matching his tone, man, we'll do it a bunch of times. But if I don't like how I say something, never, bro. Never. Never am I allowed to do that over. The easy, but don't let it get you down like that. Okay, yeah, that one. That's what my boys told me. End of the night, I was still sitting lonely. If only I could find her without all the drama, without the one-liners. Excuse me, miss. Hey, my favorite Jay-Z song at the time. Pharrell Jay-Z, gosh, bro. Excuse me. Why didn't they ever do a whole album? That's so weird, cheated, bro. The no ID shit is fly though, man. But that era, if they would have just let, he would let Pharrell do the whole album one time. Uh, hey ma, I got a man. What's your name? Hey ma, what's up? You know, you know, and we gonna get it on the night. All these things are in there. Hey, hey ma, what's up? Let's slide. All right, all right. We gonna get it on the night. You smoke, I smoke, I drink, mix up, well good. We gonna get it on the night. Got drops, got trucks, got jeans. All right, and we gonna take it. I'm in my mid-20s, so enough. In my mid-20s, I was always, from 3MG, Hopeless Romantic, I wanted to fall in love and be married and have kids. I wanted to marry rich and make four-track rap songs and cook for my kids and be a soccer dad. I'm just a hopeless romantic with a titanic heart. I may look unsinkable, but I can still be ripped apart. I never approach you. I linger in the dark watching you from afar. Within my car park, just a hopeless romantic with a titanic heart. Gigantic emotional stresses, they tend to tear me apart. I prepare myself for the moment when the omen is true. Show your face, then I know it's you until then I pursue. I did not want to be a rap star at all. I was thinking about that driving in today, too. Like how much I love listening to young 
people who want to be rappers, because I was dragged into this. People kept telling me, oh, you're good. You should. You are good. You should. That was really good. You should. All of this really got kicked off on my first girlfriend. I was ready to move to Ethiopia with this woman and just have babe. I was 17. I had sex for the first time with her. I was done. That was Rasta. That was Christian. I was ready to go. Red, gold, and green bed sheets, red, gold, and green pillows, red, gold, and green shoelaces. Get me to Ethiopia. Let my hair grow and let's make babies and be vegans or vegetarians at the time. She snuck and gave a tape to DJ Granick at Santa Cruz of me freestyling. He said, I have to have him up here where I met Mystic Journeyman and Grouch that night and my life changed forever. But I was dragged and forced. I was never looking for this. So it's a, it's a blessing. I wanted to be married. But oh, once this shit started, I was ready then. I think I could have done it and been a good husband, faithful. Once this rap shit started, motherfucker, there was no way this 25-year-old Nicholas, if people always say, what could you go back and tell your younger self? I wouldn't tell him shit because I, it would ruin what I learned and it would ruin, especially this song. Because there's a big reveal Come Wait for it. If you don't already know the story, wait for it. Because it's Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this on Valentine's Day, it's the season of love, commercial love. Man, 25-year-old Nick Carter was not ready to settle down with anyone. I was still an alcoholic, smoking cigarettes. Woe be to, to, to that woman that would have let me marry her at that time. And there were a couple scares as far as proposals but i'm not allowed to talk about those um not not for any other reason then it's not fair to i'd have to ask the other person but i'm glad that i didn't get married i don't feel like i was a, a man until i was 33 or 30 something uh, which is interesting sort of like sort of like when jesus popped back up on the scene in the bible but now i thank you propaganda uh for educating me on the lost years of jesus Man, if he's not helping me walk my faith, I don't know who is. So make sure you go and get some Terraform cold brew or coffee beans because that is his business and I support his business and I like his coffee, but I chose to do dad grass today. But when I don't do dad grass, I choose to drink Terraform coffee. I'm going to have something to get me through the rest of this evening. Commercial over. Check out his music. Check out his podcast, Hood Politics. Um, propaganda. I think his 316 is an album, I think it's called Crimson Chord, but he's, to me, his newest shit is his best shit. Uh, we've talked about him here before. Um, he's still becoming great, great live performer, father and husband. Give him a Grammy. Yeah. Cause I remember karaoke mics pointed at the speaker. Boombox play the track, CD skip, bush your raps, open mics, night sight, drive by ghetto bird. Hoping you can make it home. Better get swift with your words. Birthplace, earthquake, hometown, it goes down. Learn about chop up before your ABC tragedy. Survival rivals the odds are trying to fight gravity. A compliment when MC say come battle me, stay cool. Now a dad, college grad, quit my job, hit the road, trying to get my marriage happy. Ask about me at the bottom of the 17, holding down a seaport. Beach City, Coast Guard, Queen Mary, Smooth Lion. Trust me, I'm a native that Hollywood sign be beneath it, grave of a thousand young souls, take a stroll on a shore, dream of Californication, and I still can't explain how any of us made it, it's great. And I got a feeling I can't describe, I see this place when I close my eyes. I'm in my mid-20s, so enough with the game. Simply put, I think you're stunning. I don't think anyone's calling women stunning in rap. I'm going to take that one. 
What about some kids? This is definitely not happening in rap. I'm in my mid 20s, so enough with the game. Simply put, I think you're stunning. And what about some kids? Couple dogs, couple cars, a four bedroom crib. Look, I'm not trying to jib, I'm just speaking from the heart. But we could start with a drink if you want to play it smart. But you're looking at my boy, you got two kids at home. And I know how it goes. Here's his number, telephone him. He does girl's dirt, and I know you smell it on him. But every bitch needs a dog, so I guess that's why you want him. And I'm couple dogs, couple cars, four bedroom cribs, sorry. To my wife now, I'm going to have to hold me and you to this. I have not, we live in a three bedroom. Maybe we add on. I'm, I don't think I'm trying to move. And I get a couple dogs, couple car, couple, I need a couple dogs now. She doesn't want any dogs. She has four sons. I'm sure she doesn't want any dogs. But oh, I got, we got to make this a reality. We have two cars. They're not fancy, but they're paid for. Couple dogs, couple cars, four bedroom crib. Not trying to jib, jib. Oh my God, I hated putting that line in here. Jib is not something everybody says. It was old. Jibbing was old. Like, I think it came probably 60s, 70s. Like, older, older heads, like big homies used to tell me, Oh, you jibbing with that? Yeah, you jibbing with that, that, that for PYT. <laughs> oh man, come on. There's to me nothing funnier than old black men being dogs when it's harmless and not that it's ever harmless let's not even get it I'm not gonna go but it's funny as shit it's not the best for the culture but some of the shit these motherfuckers say ooh look at you little mom like that that weird weird uncle those those motherfuckers sick but funny whew so much going on I think I have to keep from crying so much going on people killing people dying word to the brother named Q-Tip so much going on, people killing, people dying, dying. But I will dwell on that, I think I elevate my mental Thanks for these bars on the Vico Instrumental Yeah, shout out to him um, We talked about him, me and Will I Am And um, Skills Shout out to FYI, please download the FYI app If you haven't AI, Slack Great place to do music, photo Like It's just a great app for artists uh, It's free, that Will created um, lots of dope AI shit coming, and I love that Will is in front of AI because I vouch for him fully and completely as a human being, or I guess fully as completely as I can. I haven't um, had a sleepover at his house. Q-Tip, this album, we were on the Rock the Bells tour, and oh my God, it's just as kindly as I could put it, I do not care for what is the guy, Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport, and has convinced my partner at Pay Dues that, or, and Rock the Bells that no one needs, like, we can't look at Tribe Called Quest when they're doing their film in the Tribe documentary. Don't come Clear the hallway. Tribe coming through. I'm on a stage at this festival. I'm partners with the guy who owns this festival. I go where I want. I do what I want. I don't fucking cause any problems. I'm not a superstar. I don't have an entourage. I don't carry a gun. I don't do cocaine. I don't smoke weed. I don't even think I drink at this point. I just try to help my friend and my partner keep the show on. I have a stage to run. There's rappers with beef. There's all kinds of shit. I am not thinking about your punk-ass documentary, cuz. Anyway, I get the call. I'm trying. I think I'm trying to get Farsight to the stage or something at the time. I'm like, man, if you don't hurry up and get the fuck through this hallway. And I, I ended up like, closing the door and got caught in the hallway when the cameras come through so I try to make myself small not so I don't have to go off on anybody cause this motherfucker get in my face about being in the hallway I'm gonna fucking bite his face or I'm gonna I'm gonna break his fucking nose I'm gonna tap his fucking jaw I know that for sure 
Um, so I, I like turn around, like I try to avoid violence is fun for me, but I try to avoid it. So I'm turning around like, and then Q-tip brushes by me, says, excuse me, looks at me. I'm like, oh man, he shake that's me. I'm like, yo. And so he's shaking my hand as he's walking by. So now I have to tell him like, you're the greatest, bro. Like Amplified, there would be no Merce 316 without the Amplified album. There'd be no Merce Rules of the World without the Amplified. is one of the greatest solo rap albums ever made. Uh, I don't give a fuck what you say. Argue with your grandmother, bitch. I tell him. I have to tell him. And he goes, Merce? Nah, nigga, you, you, 316, nigga. And he starts going off, like yelling at me in the hallway because I'm getting that look from the staff and from cuz um, but now he can't say shit to me because tip is hype as fuck to meet me and i am exploding on the inside like like you know i just finished the game this is the end of zelda i've unlocked every fucking achievement because this is like the merce rule merce per president i've met dj quick i've met e40 blah 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 q-tip is like the last achievement i've unlocked like like so i'm like celebrating Hundred percent game complete because of this album. I think later on I found it because of a, a young lady that played it for him, probably because of songs like this. Oh, and I never forgot to mention Positive K. I got a man is definitely responsible for how I start this verse. I love that. I love the girl guy voice going back and forth. You get a kick out of telling brothers no. Oh man, I really wish I would have bought the positive KO. What's your man got to do with me? I got a man. I'm not trying to hear that. Now you can persist and play I often talk to the young people about, man, you're so lucky to not have to make a choice. I was like, I got $10. I could become a positive K fan, or I could become a Dale Funky Homo Sapien fan, or I could become a Souls of Mischief fan. Like, it was like you're choosing. Because there wasn't a lot of bad rap. That's why I know if I would have bought the album, I would have loved it. Um, but I don't know. Tell me if you had that positive K album, if you loved it. And singles didn't sell as much because they were always on the radio and they were always on video and you could record the VHS. Pause there. VHS. We just lost Carl Weathers. Like if Drake is a version of Fonte and Pooh and all that other shit, or Fonte and Merce and whatever, if you believe that Kendrick Cole, like I've heard those theories and I'm trying to add them into here, doesn't make them fact. But if you feel that way, like to me, there's Jim Brown, Max Julian, there's like black superheroes. But Carl Weathers was like Drake, like he was the mainstream. Like he got to be with Rocky. You know what I mean? Like he got to be with Sylvester Stallone. He had his own movie with Vanity. Like Action Jackson, I can't tell you. If you were a black kid in the 80s and you have a sleepover or niggas is kicking it at the crib, like, you putting on action, Jackson. Barbecue, huh? How do you like your ribs?
We watched Commando. I watched the fuck out of Commando. I watched the fuck. I never watched Rambo. I didn't fuck with Sly in the, in the guns. He just wasn't believable to me. But I fuck with Arnold. Just, you know, Jim Cotta. Like all these, like we like people, blood sport, like all these. But Action Jackson? And it's fucked up because when I moved to the Valley, like that, Action Jackson was not getting any play. They didn't respect it. Uh, black, you know, black, black uh, action heroes weren't, we weren't to Wesley Snipes where everybody, black, white, Asian, Latino, indigenous, whatever, could watch Passenger 57 and be like, yeah, fuck them up. Like, America wasn't ready to root for the black guy. But, oh, man. Rest in peace. To see him pop back up on a Mandalorian, I bought that action figure immediately. Like, Apollo Creed, even though, like, the American, like, Apollo Creed boxers, like, man, the Creed movies, like, he's just such a, like, I don't even know if he's the Drake, because it was just like, in the 80s, it was like he was the mainstream version of, like, like black exploitation, how black exploitation evolved. I might have been a bad a metaphor, but, or a, a, um, illusion or whatever it is, analogy. Some grammar, a police English teacher, correct me. Whatever it was, that was, he was the evolution. And he was like all we had, I think, until Wesley Snipes. Predator, like just, man. Thank you. I get hold of every worthwhile contender and they all say the same thing. Five weeks just isn't enough time to get into shape. Oh, shape nothing, man. They're afraid. Hell, they know everybody in the world's going to see this fight and none of them got a prayer whipping me. So they're making excuses so they don't have to be the chump to get whipped in front of the whole civilized world. And that's the same thing with Q-Tip. Like, when I see someone like that, like, you got to, like, I saw Fat Lip. It was just like, man, you're the dopest. Thank you. And I move on. I don't want to take a picture. I just need you to know. So hopefully, like, Noah James telling me you're not ugly. Like, these little things when black men can exchange genuine admiration, respect, or love for one another. When he, any human can, but I just feel like our community needs it so much more. There's not a lot of people who aren't black and brown that are shooting each other in the face for nothing. And that's a lot of, to do with lack of love. Wish I could have seen him and said that. But when he popped off on Mandalorian, I, got, I still have the extra figure at home. And like, he's one of those ones, like my kids know, we're not, we're not opening that one. You're not touching it. No, bro, never. That's Action Jackson in Star Wars, bro. Like what the fuck is happening with our lives? Sometimes they get it wrong with these remakes and all this other extending the universe and bringing back. This was perfect. Is there a problem here, Magistrate? Is there a problem here? What do you think? Not if you serve me a drink. Try me. And to know that he's involved on the directorial side, like, like respected an evolution, you know? Bravo, man. What a life lived. I don't know much else outside your front-facing image, but thank you for that part of your life. I'm not trying to to speak from the heart. We can start with the drink if you want to play smart. You're looking at my boy who got two kids at home. It's definitely about somebody I used to hang out with a lot. I'm not going to call him out. I know how it goes. Here's his number. Telephone him. He does girls dirt. And I know you smell it on him, but every bitch needs a dog. So I guess that's why you want him. Not trying to use bitch a lot in songs at this point in my life or ever, unless it's referring to a man. But even then, I kind of laid back on it. Used to be my favorite word at the end of a verse to say bitch. But this this fit. This fit the whole lyrical thing. Every bitch needs a dog, so I guess that's why you want them. And of course, I'm talking about, well, if you're like the cigarette burning and stinking up this club, 
no one talks about burning anymore in rap, but, you know, syphilis, gonorrhea, you're burning. Ha, ha, ha. Smoking, everybody was smoking. You can, I think, yeah, there's still some more parts of the country you could still smoke in the club. I was definitely a smoker of cigarettes. So, yeah, you know, not thinking, you know, never can, I, I was not self-respective, but I wasn't willing to give up cigarettes because I'm sure that cut out even in 2003. Smoking cigarettes definitely cuts out. I'm, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a bottom feeder. Like I'm not like my friend I'm speaking of. Like, I'm not a buff guy with tattoos with the gift of gab in that way. You know, I could definitely rap, but I'm not some, a smooth talker with the ladies. So I maybe not smoking, especially if he's smoking cigarettes. Like maybe I'll, the girl talk to me just cause I'm not smoking cigarettes and my breath doesn't fucking stink. Idiot. Like that would have been helpful. <laughs> like, hey, well, you're already having a hard time. Like, let's not put any more hurdles to you getting getting to the to the poon tank, sir. Maybe that's what I would tell younger Nicholas. But I didn't need it. It was all part of the plan. Yeah, that's the second verse and hook of kind of all like still fits with what we've been talking about the whole time. Nothing new. Fonte's still singing his ass off, and uh, let's get into verse three. I tried to be subtle, but even. Get a smile, all I got was dirty look And my self-esteem is low enough I got teased growing up And what I do, I beat them up But that only made me tough It didn't get me girls Her notes in class Same girls who used to tell When I would pinch they ass But if another boy did it Then they would get with it So I pretend the handball was a face When I hit it And I admit it's part reason Why I do them like I do And women in my life There's only been two My mother being one And the other one is done So my philosophy on dating is ain't no fun cause they come and they go and even if they don't come they still have to go girl i get the best head but you just wouldn't know cause you're stuck up in city and even though you diss me i ain't mad Conan, do your thing with your pretty ass i tried being subtle even flirting got me shook got me shook off kind of double entendre or got me scared to speak i would never get a smile all i got was dirty looks girl on Tucson, real life incident, looking at me. Uh, my self-esteem is low enough. I got teased growing up. What I do that made me tough. What I do, I beat them up, but that only made me tough. Yes, fighting with little girls. I know that's what, cancel me or some shit. Like fifth grade, fourth grade, girls picked on me. There's two first fight I had a girl. Come get at me. This is all fifth grade was a pivotal. And my child being in fifth grade and having altercations, he's one of the few boys in his class. And has had having to talk to dads and parents like, oh shit, my kid pushed her daughter. What the fuck? What's going on? You know, he knows better. What the, f-? you know, but then it's funny because I have blocked this. It's even in the song, but I have blocked all this. And so I'm yelling at my son. I'm like, I, later on, I'd be like, oh fuck. Yeah. I, in fifth grade, I did the exact same thing in the exact same grade. But you know, we're Linwood, California. It's just wild, bro. We wow. I was talking to my life coach therapist about this, like, they're so like growing up in inner city Los Angeles or probably inner city America now, like urban America. Like if you're not killing anybody, like, eh, like our, 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 uh, ceiling for what's, what's a act of violence is a lot different. A barometer. So, and I'm still figuring it out for myself, but yeah, we're kids. And I was like, oh, okay. This girl kept calling me ugly, 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 ugly. I think, I don't know what have I slapped her or something. And bro, when I tell you the two tall girls that I had a crush on in the class 
held each arm. They were twins. They held my arms while this little girl went to town on my jaw piece. Bro, fair fight. I took my L. No one told the teachers. It was just like, we worked it out. It was the 80s. Is that right, wrong? I don't know, guys. Like I said, cancel me. But, you know, I learned. They le- We all learned something that day. <laughs> yeah, when was I thinking? But there was a girl on class. I forget her name. This girl was rugged. Like all other girls, like, you know, like you could tell she had a rough home. Like she wasn't unattractive, but she wasn't like she was rough. She wore dickies and like, you know, her ponytail wasn't right some days. But she was in the magnet class with me and she was like, You gonna be my boyfriend. Like, okay. She would tell me like her she lived in a house where she had one brother that was a crip and everybody else in the house was a blood. And so and she was a crip. I think she her and her like had decided to be crips, but her older brother and her one of her older brothers, and then the rest of her brother and her daddy was a blood. She's like fights at the house. Like she, she used to tell me. So when she told me that I was her boyfriend, I'm like, word, that's what it is. You know, it didn't, didn't mean I had to do anything, but she had a boy. She, I think she maybe had to say she had a boyfriend. I don't know. But it's on, and I didn't want to come to the crib. Wasn't going to the crib, but those were the only two black girls in the class. The one girl that was very mean to me. And because we were in a magnet class and there were, I don't think there was another black male in the class with us. So I'm the only black boy and there's two other black girls. So this it's all, there's so much going on. And we had a white teacher who was so out of touch, hated her. So we were just wild. But, um, so yeah, that's what, like, what I do, I beat them up. But that only made me tough. Not that it made me tough to hit the ground. I don't know if everybody would look. No one's breaking down my lyrics. They, I think people pretty know, like, I mean well and I'm not a dick. But yes, if you listen, like, what it, what made me tough was taking the ass whooping I got from the girls after I decided to put my hands on that little girl. And I was a small guy. I'm a small kid. I was definitely a small kid. I was already short and I was a grade ahead of myself. So that was a whole nother thing. I was always the short, shortest, frailest thing ever. But boy, did I, did I, you know, I was so much violence at home. It was, and my dad is just my genetic father. And as we discover epigenetics, it is extremely violent. So I am boys, girls. And that's nothing too. Like I, well, my stepfather, my father didn't make it better for me. But what I did appreciate, if you could say I appreciated anything about them putting their hands on me and my mother is that they beat up grown ass men too. They just were violent across the board. For some reason, I have a little less respect for people who only prey on the weak or, or the opposite sex or children. Like that shit infuriates me. If you have a problem with violence, like this is America. We have more guns than we have fucking people. We have enough guns for every man, woman, and child in America and every man, woman, and child in Great Britain. And I think enough more bullets than there are people in the world. Two times over, something crazy. Billions of bullets, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of guns. We have a problem with violence. I don't think it's bizarre when American men get drunk, get stressed out, and get violent. It's by design. Like, this is just it. But when you only are violent with people you think you can beat or you know you can beat, nothing else gets me more. There are people I'm friends with that I can't all the way be friends with because I've seen it. You, you, you use the N-word or you do this and this and that when it's a room full of this kind of people. But when we, when we do these, when we go to this city, you're not saying all that. When we backstage with these dudes, you're not talking like you backstage with these dudes. Like, okay. And some of it's cool, but like, as long as you're not a bully in the, in the, in the other rooms, some of these guys, <sighs> made me tough 
taking an ass whooping, not telling my mom or teachers. Or we just kept, you know, I think being a latchkey kid in general. It didn't give me girls or notes in class. Same girls used to tell if I would pinch their ass. It's a whole nother thing that we thought was okay that's not okay, but definitely got slapped a couple times. Very tit-for-tat self-policing. I guess we were just self like, we were just add water children. Well, as long as the lights are on and they're fed and they have a school to go to, just let them go. Like, grab ass, like it's not hide and go get it. Like, when you're a girl's hiding and if you get, you get to hump her, if you get, like, there was so much shit that should have been fucking checked at a young age. And that, and then people were like, whoa, how do they grow up this way? Because no one, we ran unchecked playing games like hide and go get it, grab ass, and motherfuckers thought it was cute or didn't say shit or didn't have, like, the bandwidth, our parents are working, Reaganomics, whatever. This is really the first time in America where it's quote unquote okay for women to go out and have careers and kids to do that. And there's not proper daycares or infrastructure or people that are trained in psychology. There wasn't enough time to get the, with the psychology of a child with all this technology and other shit you're leaving home. Like, yeah, like, okay, kids have always been playing grab ass, but did these kids, like I was going home to pornography on VHS what I will call pornography and just regular commercials and music videos, like my hormones that don't need any more fucking stirring are getting fucking stirred up. And then you leave us all outside together. What the fuck were you thinking was going to happen when we turn 25 and you're just dumping more liquor and guns and, and fucking shit in the, on us. And even now, like as the old roster them say, and everybody like, at least then the weed was maybe pure. Now they got that too. They're dumping alcohol in these kids, energy drinks, and fucking perfect weed. You know, that went back to dad grass, my dad grass commercial. I'm not getting paid, but, you know, I talked to the people um, who made it. Like they are friends with their growers. Like it started out of like, oh, I know this grower who can do this and this and this. And they've been growing for this long. And I've known them for like, that's the kind of product. Be careful with the kids with the weed, adults with the weed you're consuming. Anyway, the fuck was going to happen? Didn't give me girls or notes in class. Same girls you tell if I would pinch the ass. Of course you should tell. The same ones. Like some didn't. And we all knew, like, then that girl it was slut shame. Like, there's so much going on and unpacking. I don't have the degree or the fucking time or the expertise to break it all down, but it was fucked up. But if another boy did it, then they would get with it. I pretend a handball was a face when I hit it. Just real feelings from little Nicholas. I admit it's part reason why I do them like it. Of course, this has to be influenced. This is why I made the song Bad Man, because I don't want to be close to anyone because, you know, it's still women, you know, I'm not going to dog them, but girls never like me. So, you know, how can I trust that you really like me? How can, you know, what doing like I do women in my life? There's only been two um, going off, whatever, some other theory. I thought it was whatever fucking movie it's from. My wife now tells me that it was part of some um, Instagram video it was proven with psychology. Uh, the three great loves. So my mother being one and then my only living girlfriend at the time of this record, the other being done. So my philosophy on dating is ain't no fun. Ain't no fun. The homies can't have none. Once again, national anthem for my generation, I guess, at least black Americans or in Californians. Cause they come and they go, even if they don't come, they still got to go get to get it. Don't have an orgasm. Oh, well, too bad. Come and they call, even if they don't, I still got to go, girl, I get the best head, but you just wouldn't know. Yeah, I don't know how deep to go on that one. Oh. But I was always definitely uh, very, thanks to DJ Quick, going down on a woman 
even though people who have dreadlocks and look like me and the Rastas don't, a lot of the Rasta them don't believe in that. As I grew up to find, I didn't have any idea, but yeah, like, you don't, you don't use the same bathwater as your woman. You don't use the same washcloth as your woman in some, um, Caribbean men's mind. And I like, what? You know, the, the woman, um, them got in bath water. You know, so I, like, like, I don't even want to, my poor Pat talk, but it's, it's, it, like, it's hilarious. It's not, but it's hilarious. So yeah, eating the poom poom was, uh, something that was promoted to me. And since good music, uh, and anytime I could talk about it on a microphone at this era, all about it, um, getting the psychology of that, but you know, pleasing a woman is very important to me. And I don't think it was, it's not talked about enough in hip, in hip hop. And it wasn't back then for sure. Come and they go, even if you don't come, you still got to go. Wasn't on my lack of desire. Um, also then also evolving, like some women also have trauma or just don't like it. Like they don't, you know, I've had to ask an adult film star one time, like, is there something wrong with a girl that doesn't want, like, at this point, I am like, you know, as I got older, I've definitely gone down. A lot of women talked about it because I don't have that ego. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Do this, do that. Had friends that one in particular to help me out a lot with that. So I'm like, I'm doing it right, but this, my partner doesn't want that. And they're like, and she broke it like, they don't all want it. So that part of that line is about like, they come in, even if they don't come, like for the first time I had heard like, no, don't go down on me. I was like, I don't even get a shot. Like, I'm good at this. And, you know, they say black guys don't do this. Let me, you know, it's just like, you know, like, whoa, that was a blow to the ego. Learning to receive that. Come and they go, even if they don't come, they still got to go. And that's why it leads it to the last long girl. I'll give the best head, but you just wouldn't know because they're stuck up in Sididi. There's another reach for a run. Jib and, and Sididi, I think I'm reaching because no one uses those words. I like, maybe rap has evolved. Maybe you can use archaic slang, but I try to stick with those of the parlance of the times. So I think that's, rap is supposed to do so it was a reach so did he even though you dissed me i ain't mad you probably gonna do your thing with your pretty ass let's change that live to you probably got an std with your pretty ass and then it's just you know walk away you probably look better you did come and go and all the corny shit let's talk but mostly fonte is singing his ass off bro in the rain don't need no umbrella the studio got quiet don't need no umbrella in the rain like i don't know if he i think he just did that and we all fell out i feel like that's how it happened a lot of punches in this uh i never got a smile all i got was dirty looks and it says dirty look her self-esteem is low enough so i'm nervous about writing this like i'm reading this off a paper this is not written on a phone guys still handwritten i know the hand it was an old peace book i still write my rhymes in a peace book with no lines because hip-hop motherfuckers I might want to do a little bubble letter throw up that I'm garbage at, but I still write my name like graffiti. If I, you see me sign an autograph, it's fake ass graffiti. Like I love this. It's a nonstop hand style. Style is questionable. What is the other? I'm nervous because I'm in a room with a bunch of black men rapping about my feelings. I really just want to be married. So the third verse is really hard. So I don't like rapping in front of people. I don't like singing in front of people. They're singing on this song. It's a vulnerable song and everybody's just there to kick it. It's not even like somebody's waiting for us to finish so they can hop in the studio. Everybody's just, people hang out at the studio. I never got that. I still don't get that. If you don't want to rap, why? But I'm not saying it's bad. I just never, I was like, so I'm nervous as fuck. So I think I punched on this song more than anyone. And I admit it's part reason. I think that's where it comes in. 
where I'm doubling it, where you, that's a, a trick of your uh, artist, you know, like when you're about to punch in, especially back then, rap along with it. And the ninth would never clean up the part where I rapped along with it. He just left it there. So that's how we did the punch for that part. So I punched twice. I can hear two punches on this for sure. Cause I don't do doubles and knife that never let me do doubles. If you, I don't think I'm hearing a lot of them, but he doesn't let me do dubs unless he thinks it works on the song because rapper and I do it too much. And eventually I realized that people like that stuff because knife does the beats, but it's also maybe I should stop trying to be Tupac and double up like doing doubles. I just learned that because other rappers were going in and doing shit. So I thought, Oh, that's what you do because there was no school for this shit. Like of an older rapper that I liked did something in the studio. I just did what they did. I could have said, and now I get to the point where like when I do feet, used to send features and shit and be like, do you want to double it? No. I used to listen. Like if you double it, I'll double mine. But no, this is how I think I sound best. Thanks to Ninth Wonder. That's the pain. It would have been too on the nose to call it the rain. Uh, the rain by Orange Juice Jones is a classic, bro. I missed you too. I missed you so much. I followed you today. That's right. Now close your mouth because you cold busted. That's right. Now sit down here. Here, so upset with you, don't know what to do. And my first impulse was to run up on you and do a Rambo. We're about to jam and flat blast both of you. But I didn't want to mess up this $3,700 Lynx coat. So instead, I chill. That's right. Chill. Then I went to the bank, took out every dime. And then I went and canceled all those credit cards. you ever heard that's one of the first records to ever come out on Def Jam, O-R-A-N, Juice Jones. The, the end of that song is the most funny part. It's about a woman uh, cheating. And it's like, a, it's like a Percy Miracle song. I saw you. He's singing and kind of rapping. Walking in the rain. You were holding hands. So it's about a dude getting cheated on. So this is a vulnerable song. This is what I'm drawing from, like Cinderella. Like these are, they're there, but it's not like flat out. I'm a single black male, dark hair, dark eye. Like it wasn't happening, but it was, it was definitely there before. I'm not going to not give credit where it's due. Um, but he said, baby, I missed you. I missed you today. She, I miss you too. I missed you so much that I followed you. <laughs> oh shit. This is the, this is the old uncle. These are the cats I'm talking about. When he starts, you see how that jewelry going? No, 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 no. Like, yeah, bro. The way he's talking, bro. Oh, oh, man. That outro is still golden. You know, I own, I own that. That was a proud jewel of my collection. I remember talking, I think I talking Double K about like owning the Orange Juice Jones record. That's how I found out. I grew up hearing that song, but I wasn't buying records at the time. So I never knew it was on Def Jam. When I saw that, I was like, yo, and his name and how it was spelled, it just got, that song just keeps getting better. Everything about it just kept getting better in my life. So he had no idea that that song was important to me, but it was probably important to him too. And then another one too is the five heartbeats, man. That night's like this, I wish that raindrops would fall. Football. 
You know how long I looked for that by some doo-wop group before the internet? Motherfucker. Before the internet? And then I realized like it was made for the film and I just had to buy the soundtrack. I had to work in a record store to figure that out. I would look through the oldie CDs as they came in to Rasputin's trying to figure that shit out. And that's why that song's on For Real called Night Light. Nights Like This. And there is a reissue from For Real coming out from the Peanut Gallery and me soon with some remixes. I think that's one of the ones that has to get removed, though, because I rapped so poorly on Nights Like This. And the, I don't, I'm not going to talk shit about Arata's production. He's the best. But yeah, that song's important. I'm referencing it from the moment I do my first album all the way up until then. Like, I, getting this beat was a gift Ninth Wonders, Kismet, how the universe, how God works, like that coming together. When he made that beat, he has no idea it becomes this. He has no idea I'm still going to go to the kid in Toronto, listen to this. Or just uh, so many other young black men are like, man, when you made that song, when you said that shit, it's funny because more Southern and East Coast black men, like whatever, we're all pimps on the West Coast. Nobody, everybody's too cool. But I met a couple like younger cast members, like, man, that song, The Pain, oh, bruh. Feeling seen, being grateful that I made that song and everything. You know, Can You Stand the Rain, New Edition? Like, these are epic songs for in in, in our era of, of Black America. Orange Juice Jones, Five Hearts Beats, uh, New Edition. These are, like, when you hear The Rain, you think about a girl song. Girl, you know, that's it. Maybe it's Yemen Ya, Oshun. The, the, I'm just joking, guys. If you know your Orishas and stuff, I'm not going to get done. Maybe it's because I'm a water sign. Yeah. Because of this song. Not because of the song. I go on tour. I do the song Fontaine and the Hook. Um, it's like every, like, album after, so... This tour, I go on with Shock G to promote 316, but I'm actually, you know, bringing Shock so that we could do a song from the album before because we're just touring back to back to back to back, not how mainstream artists tour. Where you put out an album every four years, you put out the album, and you tour for two years, and you go record for a year and a half, then the cycle doesn't stop. And I always think they were sitting around. They're not sitting around. They're doing extensive world touring. Then they start on their next album. But there's a lot of chilling, too, and various things that go into that luxurious lifestyle. Luxurious lifestyle. I'm not living that. So fucking, you know, I'm stepping, you know, who knows? Recently, business could have been better if we would have wrapped it up, pitched it, remixed it, you know, went on and tried to, you know, figure out how to get it on Jimmy Kimmel or something. Because people would have loved to see Humpty with me. You know, it's before how it's not as easy as it pop. You're, you're, you pay for a feature and you pay the artist to let it pop up on their page and you get some of their listeners. Like we could have worked that in a different way because people seeing me and Humpty together would have got the older rap crowd into me, which would have really liked me. The people that thought real hip hop is dead. There are people who transitioned out of hip hop in 2002, 2003, because it wasn't like Public Enemy and Arrested Development to them. They didn't know Mercer's existed. And seeing me when I saw Humpty would have, I think, helped that. But we didn't work that. We were just, okay, that was great. Good. Keep white. Hit it. Strike while the iron's hot. Indy, we need money. We need to keep the lights on. Let's go. What's next? 
And I think I was smart enough to switch it up. I kind of went to the same producers, kept it very deaf jux, hit it over the head. Um, but I jumped over with the ninth wonder thing. And I think that was smart. So in between, I never really tour 316 when it's out, out. Because then I, I signed a deal and we'll talk about this before we get into Murray's Revenge or as we get into Murray's Revenge. And they take me off the road. Um, so I don't get to do this until the Murray's Revenge tour, which is out, which is not bad at all. I didn't tour, I think it's 2005. I didn't tour 2004, 2005. I don't think, I didn't have one brief, oh, I did have a 316 tour with Kamuk. Then we were going to talk about that. The Def Jux Presents 2 tour or 3 tour. The one with the yellow and white and green. And that's when I toured 360. So I did tour 316. But who was with me? Scarab was with me. And maybe a shock was on. So it wasn't, so I wasn't tour. Yeah. So I, I guess 316 was out. I didn't like getting a chance, like into the beginning, I had a chance to sit and as my spiritual brethren say, resonate with the people. But Niggas got to stop putting out the cigarettes in the goddamn bush, though. What the fuck? What kind of... The bush was just smoking, and I was wondering why, but it's because someone put their cigarette out in a tree, motherfuckers, in shrubbery. You fucking... I know it just rained. Then the fire went, the smoke stopped, and now someone else parked their car in front of the shrub and put another fucking... I feel like the dude in the fucking... uh, What's the name? Uh, From Mallrats, Brody. Was it Brody? Or the main character of Morris, whatever his fucking name was. There goes, no, Jason Lee. There goes that kid on that fucking escalator. Stop putting cigarettes in the fucking bush. Get off my lawn. That kid is back on the escalator again. That's criminal. That kid. That kid is back on the escalator again. Leave it alone. What? Take time. I was on that tour with, RJ was on part of it. Hangar 18 was on a lot of it. Uh, Scarab, Shock, but SA Smash was on the shout to Metro and shout to Kamu. I'm an engineer with sinister schemes to injure your team. With the body pin, I'm tearing the sewing right out of your seams. I be bullying faggot rappers, I'm hoping they push. Scores that get crushed, your brains are gonna float in the mush. It's plain like daylight, a light needle hook. It's pain like rusty nails stuck in your foot. You wanna play my games? I'm leaving your brain choking. A slice of slit in your forehead, slipping and talking. My breath is sizzling hot. I'm passing goons in it. They cut a hole in your head and toss a spoon in it. They give Max feelings to every tune in it. They split dreams like split swings and lose tenants. And at nightfall, I'm feeding the fight jaw. Make a wrong move, elbow to your light score. Not going against me and thinking like you ain't gonna die. Well, screw dipping in hell, thinking you ain't gonna fry. Yo. Kamu was so fucking dope. Metro, so fucking dope. Sese Smash loved their show, loved their vibe. We ran around New York and had a lot of fun, did a lot of stupid shit. Kamu, they're both from Columbus, which is crazy. Hooking up with somebody from Columbus. And Columbus thing, because I never got to really know my dad. So anytime I meet from someone from Columbus, I think it's special. So hanging out with them in Columbus. But when we got to Columbus on that tour, I let them headline. I was like, it's cool, but this is your hometown. Y'all are so dope and so known in your town. It's not that I couldn't have headlined, 
But I was like, no, I want, even if, even if I have more people here to see me than you have to see you, I think the people that live here should know how dope you are because they're going to become fans of you because you're from here. They need that. So I said, no, you guys headline the show tonight. And I think that needs to happen more, man. So that's why I'm quote unquote jump. That was dope. High five myself. Oh, we didn't talk about that. High five for Jesus. Keep making them like that. Just so that would have a brain so they talk to me. Like, I want to, what I want to tell you, it wasn't crickets when I finished this in the studio with all these dudes, but these are Southern men. Not only is rap not talking about their feelings, but the traditional Southern man is not talking about his fucking feelings. Getting hurt by a girl, by a gal. You just go get you another gal. Get you a good gal. They're like you. Like that, what? Fuck you over here talking whining about your emotions, sun-dried water, California, Southern hippie boy. Fuck out of here, bro. So I, you know, when I'm doing all this, I'm fucking up by the time I get to the third verse. Because the third verse is kind of the most personal and I've been rapping about my feelings, kind of a new perspective on male-female relationship in a room full of young Southern men. I won't say it's crickets when I finish, but it wasn't. No one was like, ooh, this is the joint. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one was like, damn, you killed that shit. I was glad Fonte was there to add the levity. The don't need no umbrella. Like, no one had to tell him that. He just did that. But yeah, I guess some same things when no one told me to say high five for Jesus. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know where that came from. High five for Jesus. Keep making them like that, except for half of a brain. I'm imagining a scene, very cinematic. Young Nicholas wanted to be a director of film. Like very, I see her walking away from me um, and me, you know, close up, you know, profile, headshot. She's walking out. You can see the side of my face. It's raining. I see all that, you know, and I'm mumbling, just, you know, just with half a brain so to talk to me. In the rain. But uh, dudes, re- that part really resonated with a lot of folks, men and women. Funny, they could understand. Because bad girls wanted good guys. Sheesh. But then, you know, we didn't know. Like, I don't know if daddy issues was a real term back then. Probably not, because I would have had at least three DVDs of daddy issues, volume six, seven, and 13. Jake Steed's daddy issues. <sighs> we might just have to do the... The um, adult film episode one day. Should have been a breakdown when I was doing the breakdown. The tour for this record, once it had a chance to resonate, it's probably smart. Once again, talk about timing and something Tom and Ryan Wally talked to me about when we were having our, we went at, at, at each other's necks a couple of times as, as I think as it should be when men are working something, it should be friction, but on a foundation of respect. And they're right. You know, everybody, like, the timing, I just talked about this in an interview, the timing of Top Dog, of so many execs go unnoticed. And it's always, almost always counter to what the artist wants. I didn't want to get off the road. I wanted to drop another record, but I signed this deal, and I hated the deal, and the deal kept me off the road for a year. Imagine that, taking a year where I'm not even on doing tours. And I'm sure I did 3MG shows and... Yeah, then I, oh, I filmed the short film. I did, did the Walk Like a Man movie, and that's going to probably be a podcast that'll just be on the Patreon. Commercial, if you haven't joined Patreon, please join Patreon. The Patreon people had episode 24 a couple weeks early. Me and Rob are going to work and start getting more episodes early. So if you want that, and then we're going to start, uh, I have a Christmas episode that I just did without Rob's production. Ah, it may be unbearable to listen, unbearable to, listen to, but it will be available to you on Spotify. I mean, on Spotify, on Patreon. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, unscripted so we will be posting or i will be posting just direct raw uncut proud do one of the walk like a man short film and as we run out of like 
since I don't know how long we can keep this up, but I may start putting like the albums that aren't my solo albums on there. Merce and Fashion, the 3MG album that comes out between this and Murray's Revenge. So I stay busy. Creative Differences. I think I went on part of that tour. So I did get on the road, but I didn't get to go on tour for my album and work it. And I don't get off on being on stage, but I get off on work. And that's how I learned from other rappers. It was not the best way, but I'm coming from an indie mindset. You put out a record, you go introduce this record to your fan base because these are your friends. This is your family. They deserve to see you perform some of the songs. If they buy the record, they have a right to do that. I wasn't even thinking about like money because I just signed a deal. I was good. I was really good at this time. Financially, no kids, no wife. And, and you know, I'm doing shows for more than I ever done shows. I got a booking agent now. I got, man... So it was just like, I can't get out and connect. Community is so important to me. And I didn't know how to put that into words, but I couldn't get out. The petting zoo, as some of my rap friends call it, oh, you always do the petting zoo. Yes, I want to go out and meet people and thank them and touch them and hug them, uh, hear their problems, hear what they don't like. Like before we had metrics on Instagram and all this other shit, like just find it out. That was my, like, it's all dope. And I was addicted to that part. And being on the road, finding new places to eat. I like driving through America. America is a literal, like, beautiful country that we stole. Amazing. Amazing. And I'm not here for the nuance. I say we because I'm an American citizen. I pay taxes. I'm part of it. Fuck it. But yeah, if you want to get technical, not me. I'm not, but I'm not going to be on my not me shit. We stole this beautiful country. Just drive through it. So many people will travel overseas and not realize it. Wasn't allowed to tour. Pissed. Finally toured this record. How many people will travel overseas before they travel in America? We got to realize, like, California is just as different from New York to Britain, almost. Like, it's good. Seattle is different. Tucson is different. Houston is different. Mississippi is different. Northwest Arkansas is phenomenal. Tulsa is amazing. And it's very different from Oklahoma City. These nuances are traveling are the things I'm addicted to and I love. And I want to show my children. Montana, Montana is gorgeous. But yeah, northern Montana is different than Missoula, Montana. Bozeman, like you just, bro, you got to Wyoming, Nebraska, Lincoln and Omaha. Like I don't even have a lot of experience in Lincoln, but Omaha is definitely a bar. Like these are the things I missed about traveling. Durango, Colorado. Grand Junction, Colorado. Shout out to the Bird fam. Um, yeah. I love traveling. So not being able to do it was hard, but it was for the best because it had, I had a chance to become like, let people desire something before you just hit them over the head with it. So I went on this tour for Murray's Revenge. I don't know when it started. I can't find the routing. However, the show, it was in the spring. First show was in Asheville, North Carolina, which thanks to a wonderful young lady who almost single-handedly made us very popular in Asheville. Uh, At this point, she had left the city and a record store she had to show, I think, was closed. But Asheville used to be a banging spot from 01. So from 01, 01, we did a show with, I think, the Netherworlds, uh, it was a part of the Godless Ugly Tour. It's like a warehouse packed kids in the street. We had some huge thousand person type shows in Asheville. And I may have some footage, audio from them. But 
I think when she moved on, it kind of dwindled. I don't know if there is. Yeah, I don't. I won't to theorize it. Um, there's all kind of shit going on with that story, as far as what we were talking about earlier. Like, there's definitely some marijuana, a lot of marijuana hustlers in that region. So that that them, I think they were cracked down on them at the time. So that might have done with maybe why the hip hop store had to close because she didn't have any customers because the people with the weed money weren't buying from buying records from her. I don't know what it was, but we went away. I was expecting, I had just signed a group, and we'll talk about that, this group Supreme with two E's, S-U-P-R-E-E-M-E, so I guess three E's, but two E's together, from Atlanta. Got the white folks at the stock market exchange, going out of their brain, because Supreme is the range, not gonna take change, we gonna take all the bucks, and y'all niggas pissed off, y'all got nothing on us, you can call your detectives, you gonna need the best and the contraceptive to protect you from my weapons, sort of like LeBron and George Bush, use a poor fish trying to swim with no fins, like a lame hoe trying to bitch with no friends, I'm a monster, got a rocket launcher on top. I'm taking them on their first tour tour. I throw them out on the warp tour. Now they get to do a rap tour. They paid their dues. They're going to open for their boss. We're going to start at the Orange Pill in North Carolina, motherfucker. Yeah. I think it's my first tour that booked by my booking agent, Sean Duffy McSwiggin, who was at Paradigm at the time, who I had a couple of drinks with in uh, Petaluma after a show. We talked about Petaluma's. Also, Petaluma's very pivotal in my career, uh, where I got first heard Knife Wonders instrumentals. Uh, where I got my booking agent, who's technically not my booking agent, but I'm still with the same agent and the same two people I kind of came in that agency with. Um, they're now Wasserman. Um, T. Schultz at Wasserman. Team Was, our team, Was, W-A-S-S dot com if you want to book me. But this is Duffy's first tour he's booking for me. He asked if I'm good in Asheville. Oh, yeah, I'm good in Asheville. Shit, I run Asheville, motherfucker. It's not, <laughs> Frank was freestyling one night. And it's, like, it's not Asheville. If so many girls are here, I'm going to call it Asheville. <laughs> that is the inner circle banger. Blueprint has so many bangers, bro. Nobody's undefeated in the streets. And he also threw a crab on Brother Ali, knowing he was scared of him. And, and Ali traced him around the hotel parking lot going, Print, you play too much. This is before I understood, like, my brother could barely see. So, like, he can't really see what is his. The, re- the reaction, I'm sorry, Ali. And Ali listens to the podcast when he can. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, I'm still in tears over that. <laughs> <laughs> but Print had the Asheville line and uh, so much girls in here I'm gonna call her whatever Asheville so yeah when my booking agent asked me am I doing it? come on bro what you mean fuck you mean bro fuck you mean huge venue Orangeville is a beautiful it was a new venue in Ash- Asheville 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 is also the first place I ever went to Juneteenth. Like I is I don't I'm I'm telling you guys all the time. Like I get down. I'm even in Asheville. I'm trying to find where the black people are at. What's up? Where are we at? And they were downtown. And they're like, oh, we're doing Juneteenth barbecue today, brother. Come on. I'm like, what is Juneteenth? I'm from LA. It's not a huge thing. And after this last couple of years, I feel like Juneteenth should just be celebrated in the South, maybe East Coast, but we don't need it out here yet. We don't deserve it. We act up. We had a good one here on Central. Everybody had a good one. I just getting dust, getting the community to, to respect the reverence of it. 
you know, I don't think it, it's something that was celebrated heavily. I know it was something that was celebrated heavily on the West Coast. And my first Juneteenth celebration with other people was in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, last place you'd expect it, it coming from me. Even when I had been doing shows there, I hadn't found a lot of black people until I found that. The Orange Pill is a new venue they built. I say it holds a thousand people. There may have been 30, maybe 50 in there that night to see the show. First show of the tour. I picked these kids up from Atlanta on the bus. We drive up to North Carolina. I think that's how it happened. And oh, oh you know, they usually like, they call me boss. Like I was like, kind of like uncle daddy. Sorry, you should daddy, but you know, like, uh, what is it called? Scout father, den mother, whatever type of den mother vibes, bro. Like they used to call me master splinter. They were the turtles. Apparently, when they were younger, they used to wear their backpacks and their da-dun-da-duns and fight. <laughs> um, two black kids, a white kid, Sam, Shaka, Nagasi, amazing kids. So they're looking up to me. I'm taking them on their first tour, got them a record deal. And in the first show, there's nobody there. So I get to teach the lesson of no matter who's here, I can still see it. It was a hurtful one. That one stung. I said, I don't get off. That's, that's fucked up. I need to get off more on stage when the crowd's packed. I need to like, find whatever is not wired correctly in my head and enjoy that. Because when the shows are empty sometimes, I, I still feel that. I don't feel it often, but that I that one stung. Ooh, it stung. And I'm so glad it's the hippie folks. Because you do something like that in New York and the building's empty, you're going to feel it because people feel embarrassed for you. But the Asheville still wanted a show. After now I'm looking at the crime, might be less than 50. Ugh. Might have been even Pokemon, not even Digimon. Double digit is Digimon. Single digit is Pokemon. Oh, man, it might have been Pokemon. It just felt like Pokemon because it was a huge venue. Huge, brand new venue, I think. Bars open, like long bars along the side of the wall. Like a thousand person venue with those bars that are built to accommodate a thousand people that want to drink. Oh, the staff might have been more staff than people at the show we take the L and maybe we added it at the last minute. I don't know. We take that. We take a huge L because we didn't, for some reason we didn't start in Atlanta. Atlanta was weak too, but we wanted to give Supreme, I think it's some time to get some, cause they're from Atlanta warm up. And then we do it through Atlanta at the end of the tour. I think that's how it happened. But oh man, <sighs> bruh, I was humbled first show. I had my first manager with me, my homie double R happy birthday to the homie Russ. He's Tyrese's manager, too, at the time. Tyrese. We are striking out. So I'm like, let my man. My manager's been to some good shows in my book. Like, still, morale's down. It's my manager's first time tour managing. So I'm kind of, I won't say teaching, but mentoring him as far as tour management. Because Tyrese doesn't tour, really, you know? But it's about 316. There's a lot of times to talk about Tyrese and Russell. It's dumb. Bus driver. Was already like at odds with us. Forget his name. Oh, Craig, motherfucking Craig. Woo, Craig. So Craig, like all this is all that. Once you have these vibes, bad show. Bus driver doesn't like us. But tour managers kind of because Tyrese is also starting his reality TV show. So my manager is missing out on being on TV to be on the road with me. And then he's not. But midway through this tour, also Russell gets the fact that. Oh, Mercer's a vegan. At this point, I'm fully vegan. We'll get there after 316. Don't drink. I don't, I don't fornicate. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't, I'm not having sex. I don't have a girlfriend, but I'm not having sex on the tour. I'm trying not to have sex, 
like, I'm just trying to get on some pure shit. I stay up all night and talk Rasta shit and drink soda. That's my thing. I, I make peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I have a soda collection. There's a Murray's Revenge DVD that'll tell you about the soda collection. And these little niggas started drinking my soda because I lost my shit. But, um, Dr. Pepper's root beers, I gotta have in a can. Probably, probably why I can't remember shit now. Alzheimer's and aluminum or whatever. Ask my wife. We go somewhere around here. Our next show is in Roanoke. And I'm like, if Asheville sucked, then when I get to Roanoke, to awful Arthur's, who's going to be there? I know nothing to UVA or Christiansburg or Virginia Tech or these schools. I've never, I've only done Richmond. I'm like, why aren't we going back to Richmond? But I have a new agent, new venues, new cities. Tertiary markets is Duffy introduced me to this term. Like there's secondary markets, like there's Phoenix and then there's Tucson. But Phoenix is really a secondary market to LA and Tucson is a tertiary market to some people or Flagstaff, like tertiary markets, Roanoke, Virginia. There's a college here and a couple other folks. So if you young people like you, people will come. That means there's local young kids that like you and there's college young kids that like you. You can do a show here. Get to Roanoke. It's in a mini mall. I get out. If I can't find black people, I'm going to find the comic book store. There's a comic book store on the second level of this plaza. It's one of these plazas that looks like it's on the ground floor, but then there's a big hill behind it. And you go down the stairs. I can still remember this place. This is an important day in my life. Why? You'll get to it. I think it's a better way to tell the story if you don't already know it. I'm doing the pain now for people who've had time to sit with the song for more than, I think, you know, the Merce 316 came out March 23rd. I was on the road March 24th. I remember getting the first week numbers of Merce, Merce 316, the ninth edition, and crying on the, um, on the bus, on the stairs of the bus. I forget which city we were in. So I was already on tour. I think we were in Idaho. We were already on tour, Kansas, Kansas City, somewhere. But I, remember, I feel like we were standing at a red line. I could see that in the, in the memory. But I got the first week number. I think I did 2,300 first week. And I was, oh. If I only had the Ryan Wally, it's not about the first week, bro. It's about the last speech right there. Oh, man. And I, I can't even do, I don't want to disrespect Ryan, but Ryan has a very, like, you know, the stereotypical white guy voice. Upbeat and like, hey, man, get it together. It's not about the first week. It's about the last, bro. Let's go. I'm like, and with this album, he would have been right. So this is my first time touring where people are going to know the words to the past. I'm not, I feel like I'm selling these songs when I, you know, and that's why I like to tour because I want to sell you the song. I'm better live than I am recorded. Still, probably to this day. So let me show you this song rather than you just listen to it and then go buy it and live with it and then come see me do it because it's still going to be better when you see me do it live. It's what I'm learning. I've gathered about myself through feedback and meet and greets or what I'm saying, petting zoo or whatever. We have a purple bus with yellow stripes. I hop off the bus. This Vietnamese kid, this other dude, like, let's get a picture in there with this tall girl. And I'm like, okay, cool, tall brown girl, one Asian dude. Like, I'm like, okay, like, I'm like people of color in Roanoke, Virginia. This is great. Take a picture outside the venue. They have Big Buck Deer Hunter inside the bar. I think they had a vegetarian option on the menu. A vegan, I think I had a, a, they had a black bean burger or some type of, I think they had a, like, it was like, I was hitting on all cylinders of the comic book store. I got, you know, when you can register your initials with Big Buck Deer Hunter, like, I love that game. Thanks to Mr. Dibs. In the venue, like, usually you don't get venues that are like sports bars. So that's cool. The stage is kind of janky. I don't care. This is comfortable. Because I just came from North Carolina, I think it was, either, either it was the show right before or one show after. Like, I'm still picking myself up off the floor. 
I need something good to happen. And these boys, like the Supreme kids, they know me. Like we've, like they've been signed to the label for a year. Well, I've been working on their album. They've been working on theirs. They've been getting out on the road. Man, we take the stage. We do the the song. So at this point, I have to decide when I do the do the pain. I'm not just gonna play the record now. I want to talk. And I'm single, so I was like, oh, what I'm going to do? No, there had to be some more shows before that. We had some more shows. What I've been doing was during that part of the hook, I would just ask if there was a girl in the crowd that wanted to make out. And I don't know why I had, hadn't done it in a couple nights or something, but I would never like press up on them. Like I wasn't having sex. This was a pure tour for me. So afterwards, if the girl made out with me, I would say, you get something free at the merch booth. Let's take a picture. I don't want your number. I wasn't, was not trying to get laid. It was like some, it was performance, you know, like people kiss each other in movies. It's a, you know, like they're not together, but so like, yeah, it's just, it's part of the show. It's like, cause people in the crowd are like, what the fuck? You know? Cause that wasn't happening at shows. You didn't make out with girls. It was like, no one's making raps about making out. And you know, like rappers were simulating uh fellatio on stage. They weren't, making out with a chick fuck is that who you know it was crazy it was wild and like you're kissing a girl in every city what the fuck you know i don't know how it came to be i'm sure i saw i was probably studying somebody's performance like i do all the time well see i forgot who i studied for um the artist i studied for murray's revenge but you're doing my rap fast and then before i go on tour like buy lots of dvds like a gg allen james brown like ICP, Depeche Mode, like I've gotten all kind of live performance, VHS tapes and DVDs just to watch, you know, something I wanted to add. We get to the pain in Roanoke and I'm like, ah, maybe we don't do it tonight. And I, was, and I think there was like, you know, like how there's like the music plays and then there's the music stops, but you're still talking at the level of the music. So I think one song was coming down and I was like, um, is there any other, does anybody have any requests or something like that? I don't know. And uh, this girl goes, the pain, you know, but the music has stopped. And I'm like, okay, I was going to try to cut this out of the set tonight, but that's what it was. I would look at how many girls were in the front row. That's how we would decide whether or not to do the pain. And if there wasn't a girl for me to make out with, but mostly because I was not because I was, I wasn't trying to make out, but I didn't know what to do with my hands while letting Fonte's singing part play. And it's before I got to the point where I thought like, oh, I can do little stand-up comedy routines. Oh, you know, I, before my banter was at the level that it is now, my banter wasn't great. And now I'm at the part of like old artists where, as you can see from this podcast, the banter just goes and goes and goes. And sometimes it's time to get off the fucking stage. And this is two hours into this podcast. It might be time to get off the fucking stage, but hold on. The girl goes, the pain. I'm like, all right. Only if you make out with me. If I do this song, I have to make out with somebody. I don't know if her fr- Vietnamese friend told her, like, grip it and rip it right then or something, but so we do it. I make out with her. I think it's the second hook or first hook or whatever. Done the, yeah, because yeah, I had done this in a few cities. It maybe it was a couple of weeks, and I don't know how we routed and got back to Roanoke at that point. Afterwards, I'm doing the petting zoo, hanging out, shaking hands, kissing babies, kissing babies, or shaking babies, kissing hands. And, uh, man, I want to go home and kiss my kid. Uh, man, I'm having, like, you guys have baby, like, I'm having my, I've had babies for so many years now, and we're, like, kind of making that decision. 
if God allows, like, this is the last baby. And I'm like savoring every moment. He's starting to walk and I'm like, I have, I pick him up. I'm like, bro, like, let me just, ah. Uh. Cause he's been actual, I don't really care for babies that much, but jeez, this has been a good baby. We finally got like the traditional baby. Ah, uh, smell him, hold him, kiss him. I'm not one of those people to say it goes by fast. It goes by just long enough. At least I'm not at that point to say that. Anyway, I'm shaking babies, kissing hands, doing merch. You know, stay by the merch booth. The girl that I kissed comes up. I don't ever even pursue that girl. I tell them, come to the merch booth if you want to get something. If not, thank you for being a good sport. I whisper that in their ear every night. Like, I'm not trying to have sex with you. Nothing. Haven't had sex this whole tour at that point. I'm taking a picture with somebody, another group of fans. And then this crazy lady that had kissed me in the crowd comes up and kisses me again. Like, like it was kind of like, it wasn't like a romantic thing. It's like, now we're even, bitch. Like, you kissed me, I don't know. You put me on the spot. Now I'm just kissing. I was like, wow, I've never met a woman. This is Mr. Come Get It Me. I'm like, oh, shit. I like this girl. What the fuck? Like, I like that energy. Yeah, fuck that. I'm not just, just going to kiss you when I want to. You kiss me when you want to. It was sexy. It was wonderful to me. I was like, man. I chased her down. I'm like, yo, I got her number. I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to this girl. And uh, later on, we get on the bus, and my guys are like, uh, boss, 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 who is that girl? I was like, oh, man, some, some Brazilian girl from from San Diego or some shit. Boss, she's Brazilian? I'm like, yeah, that's 100 points. Like, you got to like, you gotta do that. You got to go slay that dragon. I'm like, I'm in my bunk. Like, this is what I do every night. I'm like, I got new comics. There's a comic book store. Fuck, I'm doing, bro. I'm good. I have my soda. I got a squirt. I think I could remember. I had a squirt. Like, not that kind of squirt. The soda. The citrus. Naturally. I found out naturally flavors aren't actually natural. <laughs> oh, I might still get a squirt before I leave. Uh, squirt. I have a squirt. Boss, a tent is a hundred points if you go out. We're not even keep. It's not like we have a point schedule on the score. Like it's not nothing set up. It's just the the proverbial. You get a hundred points, bro. That's a a Brazilian. It's two thousand four. I don't know if this is before Mike in Brazil, but whatever. People are fetishizing Brazil. Funny enough, is Auntie Holly. Um, had just my homegirl Holly had just put me on to Augustus Pablo and Tropicalia. I think it was her, John Lou, but I'm pretty sure it was her. And if Tropicalia is not the greatest genre of form of music next to hip hop, because hip hop is giving me so much, I can, but it's real music. Like, you know, I hope people say, like, not no fucking drum machines, they're not stealing, ripping samples. I love the ingenuity of that, but live music is live music, people, and live music has been a lot longer, around a lot longer. I hope it lasts a lot longer than electronic music. Hip hop is still electronic music for the most part. Hip-hop music. Caetano Veloso. Gilberto Gil. Os Mutanchis. Like, look up these peoples. Os, Os Mutantes. Astro Gilberto. Like, the, and I don't even, she's not even really Tropicalia. Um, I'm forgetting this. Tom Z. Uh, T-O-M-Z-E with the apostrophe over it, or the accent over it. Você. Precisa saber da piscina, da margarina, da carolina, da gasolina. 
Contra os chapadões, meu nariz Eu organizo o movimento Eu oriento o carnaval Eu inauguro o monumento No planalto central do país Viva a bossa, sassá Viva a palhoça, sassá, sassá Viva a bossa, sassá Viva a palhoça, sassá, sassá Yeah, my, my knowledge of it is still very limited, but it's a form, a movement, a music that I love and respect above all others. So I'm already in love with this music. And then, so they're saying, the, the Brazilian girl, I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, okay. I'm reading a book called The Wandering Taoist at the time. I bring the book with me. I call the girl. She says I can come over. She attends Virginia Tech. I'm like, cool, I'll get a cab. There's one cab in Roanoke, one cab company, and I think two cabs at the time. At this time of night, I don't know, maybe just period. It's an $80 cab ride there, one way. Boys wanted, I got to show these young rappers how it's done. I'm going to go slay this dragon, so to speak. I'm going to go sleep with this Brazilian girl and get my 100 points. Like, I don't, at this point, I don't even remember what this girl looks like, really. It's not that I'm lusting after her. I haven't seen her rear posterior. I haven't known she has big boobs. I know nothing other than I liked her energy that she fucking kissed me back. I'm like, word, she's a down-ass bitch from Wisconsin, but not Wisconsin. Down-ass bitches from Wisconsin. Now, if we're going to put Raptor, now I'm the simp going to see this down-ass bitch at her dorm. She lives right in the front. She comes out. She gives me a great hug. I can still see it, feel it. Then we proceed to talk. And talk, and talk, and talk, and talk. And then she gets tired. And I said, I'll read to you. And that's it. That's all. No heavy petting. I didn't catch a stain, as we say. You know, didn't, you know, orgasm in my pants from dry humping. Nothing. I read The Wandering Taoist to this woman. She burnt me a CD of Jack Johnson. Who the fuck is that? I've seen his name everywhere. Well, can't you see that it's just raining? There ain't no need to go outside. But baby, you hardly even notice when I try to show you. Song is meant to keep you doing what it's I hug her. I kiss her on the way in. I get in the cab. I remember driving by the U, U of A because at this point my brother's in, at, at, at University of Florida. I'm learning about the Gators and I'm like, okay, this is a you know, rival. Fuck these motherfuckers. Fuck these Hokies, these turkeys. You know, disrespect for them and their football program because that's how we do it in the South. 
And uh, I feel like the cab driver's asking me about this girl, whatever. I'm in love, guys. I'm in love. Um, and I am still in love with that woman. I have had four children with that woman. Woman, She is my wife. And uh, there was a brief time where I was married to someone else for <laughs> brief years. Uh, but we dated. We broke up. And I got married, got divorced, and we got back together. Um, so I've known my wife thanks to this song since 2006. We created a baby, lost that baby, or yeah, birthed that and, and buried that baby. I have three sons and my adopted son that live with us. I love raising a family with this woman. And if I had never made this song, I would not have the life that I love today. My life would be less, a lot less, or just different. But with all she's given me, I feel like I would be operating at a deficit without this creature, without this human being. She is a wonderful mother. She's a great partner. You know, we don't always see eye to eye. We don't always like each other, but we've loved each other. I say for a very long time, even though, you know, it wasn't like a got married and I didn't speak to this woman ever again, exchange an email, text, a DM, a follow for years until I got divorced. She heard I was divorced. She checked in with me as a human. And from there, it kind of took a while, but we ended up um, together. And the song about it called Girl Like You, Happy Valentine's Day to her. When I propose, I suppose if I ain't never seen a girl like you, that's how it goes. The lows ain't even low, the highs higher. How I love a woman who ain't never seen the wire. Guess it's gotta be more, you get it? Life without you, then I probably wouldn't live it. Remember 06 when you first let me hit it? That's when, let's just say I won't forget it. I got in bed with you, then I read to you, then I got back with my ex. Instead of you, I wouldn't take it back. Does that make it whack? I love story too hard for a paperback. A bestseller, and I'm your best fella. For you, I kill these suckers like Sarah Michelle Geller. Rusty propeller like object machete. Cut them hoes off just to show that I was ready. Steady, steady, steady is how we rock. Got your hands in the hands of the hand that held the glock. Warrior, poet, lover, and a fighter. Gotta be careful, cause you let me come inside your heart. Duh. Gotta come correct, bring you that honesty, loyalty, and respect. I see some good looking chicks, I never stare at them, embarrassing, comparing them to my South American. But it was uh, because of the song, The Pain. Guess it's not so much pain anymore, huh? 
But yeah, I think uh, it's a great place to end this episode and uh, show the power of music and you never know where creating things may, may take you. Always being on full send, being authentic and... You know, me being, you know, all you take out, like, I didn't want to sing on the, had I chose, had I, had my mother not <laughs> told me I couldn't sing, as people talk, oh, this is triggered childhood trauma, like, all of it can work out. Like, I, I could be sad about it. I was sad about it for years. That was one of my most hurtful memories of my mother. But me being scared to sing on that song got me to talk on the hook. And me being, I could, I could have, I was just going to imitate. I didn't even have the, gusto to poorly pantomime Fonte's singing. I could have done that too. I could have lip synced it. I could have, but I was so uncomfortable because of what my mother said all those years ago when I was in third grade. But it made, you know, it was for the better. Because then I'm like coming up with this zany idea to make out with this chick or with every chick until then. And I would have never met my wife. I wouldn't have the children I have. That's amazing. With that childhood bunny ears and the supreme used to do that when you do quotes with your finger bunny ears <laughs> talking to shaka oh yeah the show is bunny ears sold out i'm like bunny ears he's like yeah you know he didn't even say quotation like, yeah you know the things <laughs> and i was like so bunny ears my childhood bunny ears trauma uh turned into me working through it or working around it I'm still on a microphone in front of people, but I still have this thing about singing in front of people. And because of that, I do the thing and I meet the girl. And it doesn't work out at first. I talk to kids all the time. Like, hey, you guys may not be right for each other right now. When you don't do anything too fucked up to your partner, I don't say I was the best boyfriend or she was the best girlfriend or whatever we, when we dated, but it wasn't so messy that we couldn't come back together. Ooh, goodness, 11 years later and create a family. And, and make each other very happy. I believe she makes me very happy. And I like it's not your partner's job to make you. I've been learning all these new words. Sorry, we share a lot of happiness on a, on a daily basis, and I hope for eternity or as long as we both shall live. That is the power of hip hop. The power of music. Like the power of being authentic. Like if I was on some, every girl here suck my dick every night or whatever. Like I just wouldn't be where I am and be me wasn't perfect. It was still misogynistic. It was still um, sinning. It was a lot of things. But, and also, this is what happened when I, on a tour, I was trying to be pure. I wasn't lustfully making out with these women. Like, it was a, a, a joke for me. Like, I didn't pick the hottest girl. I, you know, just a girl and a couple girls so I could ask a couple women. It was consensual and it was fun. Um, but I had my mind and my body in the right place. She, I didn't, and she was a vegan. Who go for I just found out like that veganism worked for me in 05. I didn't know really understand what a vegan was. I knew vegetarian, but I was like, what is a vegan? I was like, nigga, honey, eggs, shit. But I didn't think dumbass like dairy, sheesh, you know? Um, and also I'm 20, so I'm not thinking about living. I wasn't a vegan for health reasons. You know, every, you know, I was healthy, but for dietary reasons, she was a for real heart and soul vegan. So these, you know, like, what are the odds? I just got into Brazilian music. I just, I'm with these kids on tour who think like, Brazilians, yeah, go. And uh, had they not, had I had a better big brother or be, I had a big brother, a real big brother, like, 
what I wanted, you know, what I, my paternal side wanted to like nurture and show these kids the ropes and how to go on tour and not, you have to womanize every night, not have to do drugs. And not, like, I'm introducing these young men to the industry. That was another thing. I was like, I'm not about to have, oh, you got to get bitches and get your dick sucked and orgies on the bus. Like, no, this is a privilege to be able to work. I'm trying to, I feel like atmosphere taught me very, Sean taught me very well. And, you know, we just talked recently. He feels like he could have done a lot more. Well, you know, whatever. That's great for evolving human, but I'm always grateful for that type of leadership. And I wanted to take it a step further. Like I'm a sober, non-meat, dairy eating, Rasta leaning man of faith now. Like you, I got to show you guys how to have fun and do this better. My tour manager eventually, or my manager fucking leaves the tour because he can't take it. But yeah, they taught me about dance hall. We talked about Brazilian music. We just had a good time. Books, Ninja Turtles, shit like that. And had a great time touring the nation, performing without drugs, alcohol, or sex. Well, this, I think I did end up, I, but I, I had, on the tour, I did have sex with the woman that I eventually married, guys. And we did go to a strip club on the tour. So I wasn't a hundred percent peace. Like I said, I'm working on it. I'm glad I could put a little balance in there. I wasn't still not perfect, but it wasn't everyday debauchery of the tours that I came into the game kind of glorifying and kind of trying to recreate never really worked out but yeah man Brilla best rapper in LA best rapper in LA happy Valentine's Day Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day.